Okay, this week we have Jess Kimura. Now, Jess Kimura is one of snowboarding's national treasures. She's absolutely incredible on a board. Woman's Rider of the Year, Video Part of the Year, the list goes on forever. But what's more inspiring is what she's done off the board. She recently came out with a film called Learning to Drown, where she experienced a serious trauma, which we get into the show. And I will say with confidence. This, I think, is our most inspirational episode we've ever done. Uh, I was deeply moved by Jess's words, what she's been through. She's just a real one, straight up. She's one of the realest to ever do it. And make sure you support Jess. Make sure you show love to Jess. We need her in snowboarding. She is a national treasure in snowboarding. I'm saying it again. If you enjoy this episode, you found something you liked about it, don't be afraid to share it on Instagram. We are at the bombhole on Instagram. This show, it also, it requires a tremendous workload behind the scenes. So in order to make that happen, I want to say thank you to our Patreon members. You guys are huge in making these shows happen each and every week. We are truly a podcast supported by the people. So for as little as five bucks a month, you can sign up and help us do what we do along with our sponsors. Thank you guys so much. And lastly, we have our store, bombhole.com. Head over there. We got signed Jess Kamara Prince. We got all kinds of goods. You can find a link to our Patreon. Again, that's bombhole.com. And with that, let's get into one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. Jess Kamara. Here we go. You are listening to the Bombhole. Bombhole Podcast. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. <laughs> the Bombhole. Gonna slide down in big hills, you know what I mean? On the big, nice burgundy snowboard. Okay, here we go again. We're back at the bomb hole, which is presented by Pub Beer and Liquid Death. Now, Stony Buds, what's happened? How we doing, my friend? So good, my dog. God, I love hearing that. Just kind of like music to my ears. <laughs> really excited about today's guest. To my left, we have Jess Kimura. Jess, what's happening? Not too much. Just uh, staying cool. Nice. Where'd you, uh, where did you come in from today? Temple Square. <laughs> from, down, from downtown. From downtown Salt Lake. And then previous to coming from downtown Salt Lake, where did you come from? I was in Mexico. Yeah. Okay, let's just jump right into it. Now, I know your nickname is Danger Pony, but uh, I heard you had a great nickname in high school. Um. Yeah, it was when uh, the Spice Girls were around. So. Major. Let's give them a little air horn, huh? Give the Spice Girls an air horn. I yeah, love that. I back them. Um, it was Dumpster Spice. Dumpster Spice. So that's the <laughs> what is there the fifth the fifth member the s- sixth, sixth maybe, maybe. Sixth. Yeah. sixth okay yeah dumpster I wish they had a dumpster spice that would be pretty tight <laughs> good addition <laughs> actually I made a it was in like video production class we made a music video we had to like do a music video and mine was just uh, like lip syncing to a Spice Girls song but coming out of a dumpster wow that like a like- like a banana peel on my head. You did that. Yeah, because I just thought it would be That's funny. That's awesome. What and song? I, was, uh, I don't remember. Yeah. Lock that part of my life out. Block it out. But it was just like, yeah, I was like, fuck the Spice Girls. But now looking back, they're, they're cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they could have used a little of that. Uh, dumpster edge? vibe. Dumpsters, dumpster dumpster spice, vibe. Uh, I can vibe. bring a dumpster vibe to anything. <laughs> so let's run it back to where you grew up originally. In, in, um, in Vernon, B.C., which is like interior B.C., uh, in the 
Lookers left side of Canada. Love that Lookers terminology. Lookers left. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Like looking at a map. Yeah. yeah. I never heard that and I love it as well. I would think looking up at a backcountry line, lookers left or riders left, lookers left. Yeah. So. I think we think in those terms, mm-hmm. right? So you grew up in Vernon and, and then at what age did you find snowboarding and get into that? Like old. I mean, compared to a lot of people. Um, like I think I started when I was 14 and I didn't really like it because I, I started because I was skiing and not that I even really liked that, but that's just what you did on the weekend where I'm from. And all my friends started snowboarding and I got one that was like way too big for me and hated it because I couldn't turn and the bindings would just fall off in the middle of a run. So honestly, the first whole year I was like, this sucks. I suck. I hate everyone's waiting for me. That's awesome. And then did you have a point where it clicked and you're like, oh, this is, this is what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've told the story a million times, but, um, we rolled up to, I used to be in gymnastics and was like pretty hardcore into it. And we rolled up to this, this jump that these guys were building like above the parking lot. And they were like, oh, this is for backflips only. Like get out of here. And I was like, bitch, I can do a backflip. So I wrote, like pointed it. I couldn't even turn toe side, but pointed it to the jump. Hocked a backflip, landed on my head, and just tomahawked down into the parking lot. Respect. But yeah, the, the dudes were like, holy shit. And I was like, yo, that was easy. And I mean, I didn't know for a long time that you were supposed to land. Or that like, I mean, I, I made a snowboard video with my video part, and I don't. I landed maybe like one thing. I thought it was about the huck. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you want to look at my whole career, you can definitely... Tell it's about the hawk. <laughs> I think we should reframe the way videos are made. Yeah. And make it, you don't need to land. You don't need oh to land. God. Just chuck roast. Yeah, huck. Imagine we could have a part of like all the stuff that we, like the insane, I don't know if it's the same with you, but like I almost landed some crazy shit that mm-hmm. if, oh man. Yeah, all the almost yeah. would be sick. Yeah, I think that's a great, I think we just bail on the lands all together. Yeah. <laughs> Just go chuck frontside double as hard as you can off the lip and see what happens. You just got to flip until you hit the ground. Yeah, flip till you hit. There'd be a lot more pros out there, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, around this kind of trajectory of making your first video part and things like that, uh, I have a question from Mark Dangler that I found very interesting for the listeners that are unfamiliar. Dangler is the Capita, I don't know if it's C3 team manager, marketing manager maybe. Capita marketing manager, I think. Yeah, he's a he's a champion. We've always called him Daddy Dangler, and now he's actually a, a, a dad. He is a dad. So shout out to uh, Dangler and being a dad. Hey, guys. Stoked that you have Jess on the show today. So I wanted to call and drop a question. Jess, I think many would agree some of the reasons you have so many fans in your corner rooting for you in your career is that we can see how much hard work you've put in to make it and appreciate the humble position that you hold. And we've always admired your generosity to others. You've helped fuel dreams for many and kickstart several careers through your giving in the uninvited projects. Your success has meant the success for others, and you are a champion for the underdogs. So I'm wondering if before you made it in snowboarding, you have one experience where a pro snowboarder you looked up to did something or gave something to you that locked you in on this snowboarding path for life and helped shape your view of never forgetting about the up-and-comers. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'd start with, like, the shallow one first. I saw Chris Duffesey at my – this is when the 4 8 was hot. I saw Chris Duffesey at my hill, and he 
I was like, oh, can I have your autograph? And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like going in his backpack to grab something to sign. And he's like pulling out a forum sticker. And there was like $100 bills flying out of the backpack. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's what a pro snowboarder gets. Um, and then the other one would be from Marie Francois and um, MFR for those who don't know. Um, and I think the reason that I try so hard to like to help people and give them a boost and stuff is because it took me so long and so much like getting shot down and having feeling like I had no opportunities but when I moved to Whistler um, my friend Troy had made a snowboarding video and he like rented out this place to do the premiere and Whistler was like the where you move if you want to turn pro um, and Marie France was my favorite snowboard it was her her parts in any means um, it, like her parts in the Rome videos they were insane and um <laughs> Do a shout out. Oh, big yeah, of course. Major, major, major. major. Yeah. That shit changed my life. But um so there was this website called snowboard.com. Did you guys know about it? Oh yeah. Okay, I yeah. didn't know if it was just a Canadian thing. No, yeah, that was like but a I would, board. Yeah, I'd hit her up and be like, Oh my god, you're so cool. I love you. Like I'm your biggest fan, you know. We have this premiere. Um <laughs> we have this premiere for um the snowboard video I'm in, and if you want to come, like I'll leave a ticket for you at the ticket office. Like Ricky Bobby's dad, um, and I was Great like, record. "Oh, she's yeah. she's never gonna come." But she showed up. She showed up. Not only did she show up, she came to my house party after and like fucked shit up and was spraying champagne everywhere and basically was the last person there. And I couldn't believe that she gave me the time of day. Not just like a fake time of day. Like, oh hey, how's it going? Here's my um, autograph. It was like she came and watched and cared and. So my whole career, I've based on that experience. Like seriously, to to show up and watch and give a shit. Damn, that is some inspirational. That's an, that's a fucking awesome story. Yeah, she took it to the next level. That's so cool. Yeah. And you you hadn't met her. You didn't know her. You just talked. I just to her on I, the hit, I just had like harassed her on snowboard.com. Mm -hmm. and my name my username for those who may have befriended me back then was dumpster spice. <laughs> wow, I might have to hit that with a little air horn again. <laughs> So she's looking at this thing like dumpster spice is throwing an event. I'm there. <laughs> That's so legendary, though. It's like some some serious inspiration of of uh, giving back and how that you know. In, and inversely, like it's it's cool to hear. You know, there's stories of pros like that that have given you the time uh, that and that will just light a fire into your passion for snowboarding. And inversely, there's sometimes there's pros that are a dick. That you meet and they're and they're the the opposite of that and it's just it's it's important to nurture how important like that phase in somebody's life is when they're they're first catching the bug and getting addicted to snowboarding and yeah like I was way past the point where I could have made it I, I think I was twenty three when I moved to Whistler mm -hmm. and um just her like giving a shit seriously like I wonder honestly if I would have kept going because I was really on the fence of just going back to school and moving back home. Um, I really wonder what my trajectory would have been if she hadn't, if like my biggest, like it wasn't just like a pro snowboarder that I liked. It was the pro snowboarder that I wanted to be. Like I was riding her own boards. I just wanted to be everything like her. And that's what I've tried to do with the girls with the uninvited is just like show up and give a shit and not scroll through my phone while I'm filming them or whatever, you know, like take the time to. I don't know, just, like, it. people f don't realize how much um, just somebody 
believing in you for a second can like yeah lift you up and push you to the next level and then also like I appreciate all the experiences that I had where like people were dicks at the time I didn't appreciate it but it made me know what it felt like to be on the outside and to not be included and stuff and so like when you're if you're like treated like a the hero your whole career you know you're you never realize how what it feels like to be on the other side and I definitely know what it feels like to be on the other side so I also appreciate that side yeah that's a that's a great uh sense of perspective there too you a lot of times I think sometimes you see that with child prodigies or something that have been just in the limelight the whole time never never uh saw any other side of it and that's awesome the, the people that I get later successes oftentimes are more humble you see a lot of times and things like that. Now, before we get into the un- uninvited and all that stuff, because I definitely want to dive in heavy, but I kind of want to go back to when you first started filming with Think Tank. And I know that you had been kind of grinding, sharpening your teeth. You had, you kind of were building that fire. And then, you know, shout out to Jesse Bertner and Pika. I'm not sure. Sean Genovese. And Sean and Geno. Yeah. Big time major. Let's give Geno another one of those just because he's an absolute champion. But, um, you know, what I want to, what I'm fascinated with is the arc of a career in a sense that you're, you're, you want to make it, you want to have an opportunity, you want to get in these big videos, you've been filming local small videos, and then you get asked to film for Think Tank and like your mentality going into filming that first video part. Yeah. So when I got the email, like it was total cold call. I got an email from Jesse Bertner and I was like, this is spam from someone pretending to be Jesse Bertner. And he was like, yeah, we need another rider, capita rider, and um, would you want to come on this trip? And literally, I was like, cool story was playing on my, like, I had my stack of DVDs, and it was all, like, cue the birds, cool story, like, all the all the Think Think videos were in a stack, because I would just watch them over and over and over again, because the kind of riding that they were doing and the stuff they were showing was, like, hectic and attainable for me, and, like, looking outside the box, because I knew that I couldn't go do the super crazy shit, you know, um, but being like, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it when I got that email. And that was like, thanks to blue who gave me that opportunity. Like I pretty much grabbed blue by the collar and was like, I want to film. Like, this is, you know, I, God, I want, I feel like my brain is going to explode right now because I just can remember just wanting it so bad. And I was working construction at the time I had, I was getting free snowboards and, nothing else. Um, and I had to work. I remember up until like December 12th that year because yeah, I was working construction. It was a sick powder year. I couldn't afford a season's pass. All my friends were like texting me on my flip phone being like, it's so, where are you? It's so sick up here. And, um, I was like pushing a wheelbarrow of concrete uphill in the snow. I was like, fuck. So after work every, I would go, like I had a PVC stashed in the in the trees at the ice rink and I would just go after work and like under the street, like just practice and practice and practice and practice like all my tricks. So by the time I got off the plane to be in Alaska, like I was so fired up. I filmed that whole part in like two weeks really came out swinging. Probably so your first st- trip was in Anchorage. Yeah. in Anchorage. Yeah. And that's where you, you switched from board to Rincon and backtail the concrete ledge. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, is it it's called Rincon? Rincon? Not Rincon. The oh, big, Warren's the, Off. Oh, yeah, Warren's Off. That's what I meant. Rincon's a skate spot that looks like that. Yeah. That Warren's Off thing, I was like, I told them what I wanted to do on it. And Jenna was like, okay. 
And Bertner was like, uh, we don't have that much gas left in the generator, you know? And then the generator did run out of gas. So they had to go get more gas. And by then it was, I was the second person to hit it that night. And it was like two in the morning and it's a bungee spot too. Um, and they went to get gas and I just sat there in the dark being like, just zoning in being like, I, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And they get back and I think I got it. Like every other try, there was, it was not even close. Mm-hmm. Not, and they were probably just like, okay, like they didn't know me. That was the second spot I had hit there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did it and Bertner didn't even pan out because the camera, like the tripod was locked off. Cause mm-hmm. it was like, I mean, I never actually asked him about this, but <laughs> It, you can see, like, him unlocking and being like, oh, yeah, Jess, and then, like, panning out into the dark. Like, that's how I was trying to do things that people would never believe I'd be able to land, and I didn't really believe I would mm-hmm. be able to land, but I was just going to try. Mm-hmm. He the, didn't think you were going to land that. I, it's almost like the, the drive is higher than the skill set. But it, oh, oh, that's my whole life. Yeah. That is my <laughs> whole life. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, though, too, because you look at, you know, a lot of times, you know, recognizing that this is the opportunity. This is, I don't want to say make or break, but kind of like, Oh, it was oh, make or break. It's, and so like, you're the, one of those people that that's gotten that opportunity. That's make or break and been like, okay, this is my time. I need to put everything I have in my fucking loins into this, that, that fire that only, a only a fucking eight or however, you know, young kid that's, that's on the, the beginning of a bell curve of a career has that deep of a burn. And then, just go all in, you yeah. know? I think I was 24 when I went on that trip, too. Mm-hmm. So it was like, dude, it's, it's happening now or it's not happening. I actually thought it wasn't happening. So I wanted to go out with, like, a big fuck you. Fuck you. This is what I could have done. Bye. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going back to working construction, getting my masonry <laughs> ticket or whatever. Mm-hmm. How long did it take to land that back tail? I want to say it was less than 10 tries, I think. <laughs> but it so- was like all the other tries were, like, clipped on the... Just flip on the takeoff and flip over backwards. I th- yeah, or like I would slide it, but then I'd like slide out and smash my face on the rail. I mean, that thing's high. I don't know if you've ever been there, that, but it's, ta- it's, yeah. it's taller than me. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't like a big snow year, so. And I'd never even tried that on a rail rail. The first one I tried was on, on like a feature was on that ledge mm-hmm. that's like kind of like a park box. Mm-hmm. You know, the classic south ledge or whatever. Yep. So, uh, Chris, I think it's time to pay some bills. I think so, too. Now, it's summertime. People like to throw back the icy cold crush can, if you will. Yes. Now, if you're going and you want to do a good night of drinking, have a good time, a couple cold ones with your friends, I recommend getting yourself some pub beer. Yes, the price is right. They are cheap, fun beer. That's their motto. That's the motto. Hashtag cheap fun beer. So, uh, they present a little section of the show called the breakout moment. Now, Jess, do you have a memorable breakout moment from your career? I mean, the filming that first Think Tank part, for sure. Uh, I had all of those, their video part songs on my iPod. And I remember, like, eating shit really bad for that whole trip. So I was, like, I was like tripping, being like, I'm in the video game right now. This is fucked up. And I'd, like, f- eat shit really bad. And, like, you know when people come over and take off your board because you knocked yourself out. And I'd be like, oh, trying to, like, turn down my iPods. <laughs> <laughs> so they no. wouldn't hear that you were listening or, to their yeah. song? Or in the van, they'd be like, yo, you want to put on some tunes? I'm like, nope. No, uh, listen, Cause my, that was, my iPad's broken. Yeah, my that was when broken. you only had could have fit one playlist on your iPod shuffle. So. Yeah. 
And you, you would have, if they plugged it in, it would have been all their video. Oh, parts. I would have started walking. <laughs> that would have been epic. That's incredible. Yeah, I think that's incredible. And who was the one to call you, Bertner himself? Bertner, yeah. He's a G. Such a boss. Such a boss. Another question we like to ask for Pub Beer is uh, who in your career has been the most fun to party with in the snowboard industry? Uh, crush. Crush. I like yeah. that. He's a good partier, professional partier. Yeah, I think when uh, the, after I won my first awards, he like smashed his balls on them and like stamped the glass, and then Jenna like ripped off one of his pant legs completely. So he went out to the after party with just one pant leg. <laughs> that's good style. That's a legendary move. <laughs> yeah, that's a legendary what's up with move. the one of the ones you won? There was a giant dildo on the yes, thing. swinging. Where did you get that thing? Like from? a helicopter. I was so <laughs> nervous, drunk that because uh, that yeah that was my first award show um and i think like ranquit was getting the um legend award so i won one award they took me to the green room to do a thing uh interview and i looked around and i was like what are all these dildos doing here and so i just grabbed the big fatty and put it around my neck like a scarf i heard you threw it into the crowd i threw it into the crowd um and yeah it landed on the forum table and spilled <laughs> Spilled their drinks into their laps and cameras, and everyone was like, "Who is this? This chick is so unprofessional." Or wait, no, I was like, "Yeah, no shit, I work construction, bitch." Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, people were like, "That was really disrespectful." Your whole, I got a lot of like disrespectful shit after that. But like from third party people yeah. or from forum crew? No, I don't know from third party. Third party, because it's not like any oh, of those guys would talk to me. Yeah. We need, we actually need more projectile. Dildos. Rubber dildos flying through the air at all costs. Like, I don't know if you'd know the one we're talking about. It's, like... It's huge. It's the heaviest, probably, like, single-sex toy that exists. It's the, double, double the three-foot-long. three-foot-long. I think for snowboarding's sake, like, we, we just... That you could probably in. mount bindings on that, that thing that, and it, shred. Oh, could, my God. It would probably... <laughs> come back apart. It'd be like the original uh, skate banana. Yeah. Have you ever seen those things that are super soft? It's the skate penis. <laughs> It'd be like a snake board, the skateboard. Where you <laughs> <can go> like- <laughs> the snake board that they have. I might finally be able to do a good nose press on that thing. <laughs> Hell yeah. Who knows? Uh, so, the, you know, more than just, like, obviously this this part was super huge for you. But uh, I think it's cool to talk about, you know, what it meant for snowboarding as a whole. And I think just on the topic of maybe women's representation. Ugh. No? Yeah, I mean, yes, but when it's brought up like that, like, I guess that's how it has to be brought up these days. But, um, and I respect that. Um, But I, there is this part of me that, like, feels uncomfortable about, and and, yeah, like, chicks and uh, the word women's representation, like, I feel like it's, and maybe this is just stuck in me, because... I'm I'm so used to being worried that, like, if we talk like that, the guys are going to be like, fuck off, like, you know? There's a part of me that, like, kind of recoils at that statement because it's like, no, 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 we're not, like, we don't need anything special. We just need a, a chance, you know? I didn't realize what it meant at the time, but I could see, like, looking back, I could, like, because I thought my part sucked, honestly. I had way bigger plans for what it was going to be. But when I think about how, like... I don't know. People don't get it. When I think about how it felt to watch, like I used to watch MFR's video parts and cry. Not because I was like sad, but cry because I was like, holy fuck, I'm so inspired to see someone that they're letting, they're letting her in. They're letting her, you know, they brought her on the trips. They're 
and that was when like before it was like women's representation we have to include them like that was before they had to do it back then they could just literally shit on our faces and laugh about it and actually it's just in this moment right now that I'm thinking like I always knew like yeah okay it was a breakout part but like I'm thinking like if that part in think tank meant what MFR's parts meant to me like to other girls that's fucking nuts that's nuts that's I know it did for a yeah. fact. I can confirm that. For a lot of them. And for the fucking dudes out there that sucked or were losers and, like, weren't in the crew. Like, just to see someone who had such a small chance try so hard and punch their way in. Like, I didn't, like, get asked to be in. I, like, bulldozed my way <laughs> It's a great analogy. Well, the way you explain it is so eloquent because I'll just be totally honest and and be myself in the thought that like you know you hear this you need to include women you guys aren't doing a good job you're you guys are blowing it you need to and and like you as a dude we hear these things and I'll be honest with you like sometimes I don't get it like I don't, it doesn't resonate in in the sense and that's ignorance and and just being honest and, and like when you hear things or it, and I do get, I understand it, but the way you explain it is so eloquent that it makes me get it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, which is, it sucks to say that, that I, that we're like, Oh, j- they can come. But like, yeah, I'm not like calling and inviting girls on trips and things. It's like, yeah. So I, I well, love I, the way I, you explain it. Yeah. I don't. And that's why when you said women's representation, I kind of like cringed. I was like, no, because if you present it like that, like you guys have to do it. What the fuck's wrong with you? People aren't going to listen. And if you just sit there and talk about what you guys should be doing and what you're doing wrong, nobody's going to listen. But if you go out and film a video part that just fucks with every single opinion you've ever had about what girls are capable of, then people are going to listen. You need to make, and, and this has been my concept from the start. You need to make people listen with your actions and not, by complaining and I mean there's a lot of people out there that'll probably I know that like it's a we're in a different time right now and when I went to we did that uh it's tits event and we did a panel discussion and like hearing the questions that were coming in and like the it was almost like I'm probably gonna get shit for saying this but there was like this sense of entitlement in the new generation that's like you just have to include include us because we are and like I don't want to be included because I am a girl. I want to be included because I'm pushing the boundaries of what we're capable of. And and people say, oh, well, if you want equality, then you need to be as good as the guys. And I used to really think that. And that's why I, or that's, the, I, I didn't, that wasn't my opinion. It was more like the only way that anyone's going to listen or watch is if I'm trying to do the same shit as the guys are trying to do. But I want to explain something about why the girls aren't as good at stuff. Um, so your whole life, you're, like, you know, given all these messages. Even now, like, people are like, oh, my gosh, you're, 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 I can't watch your crashes. It's so hard to watch. And it's like, but they might, if they saw a guy doing the same thing, they might kind of laugh at it. You know, like, you're just told, like, be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful. Plus, your, like, DNA is, like, be careful. Protect the child you're supposed to make, you know? So you're, you're, you, you're really kind of... Um, trying to think of the right word. You're really kind of like held back by all this stuff because you don't believe that you can do it, but you you know you want to do it. But no, especially if you've not seen anyone do it, you have to 
it's just it's just different and it's harder to make yourself like push past those things all the guys out there like are expected to kill it at stuff they're expected to be tough and strong and powerful and and it sucks for the dudes who aren't like I can see that they probably feel like girls do a lot but we're not people aren't like yeah like they're like yeah when you do once you've done it but all of the like practice and skills and everything it took to get there nobody was like yeah they were like uh whatever go do your cute little thing you know but yeah I I the the whole like yeah of course girls should be included people should be included but like don't forget to get to to be good at what you're doing I uh on this message or on on this topic of what you said earlier um I googled the definition of tokenism and it's the practice of making a symbolic effort to do a particular thing especially by recruiting a small number of people from underrepresented groups in order to give the appearance of sexual or racial equality within a workforce. And uh, I thought that that, because I was just curious as like somebody, somebody brought it up. I think that uh, Jules, who works for us, shout out, I'm going to give her an air horn. She's awesome. She brought up tokenism and I didn't know what it meant. And, um, and so like it, it's something that, that like, I, I find a problem with brands. I've mentioned it before. I don't want to sound like I'm beating a dead horse, but I, I hate when people put any type of person on a brand just to check the box. It's like, oh, we, we need more women. Check the box. Uh, just like, just get somebody, whoever it is. Boom. It's like, no, put, put her on because you believe in her and you back her, not because you're scared of getting canceled, which I see sometimes. And it's like, and so like, let's actually do it because we care, not so for fear of social lashing out, you know, that's my take on it in some senses. Yeah. I'm glad that you read me the definition of tokenism because I got a lot of those questions when we were doing the panel and like, how do you feel about tokenism? How would you address it with the companies? How would you confront the companies who are doing, who are, doing tokenism whatever um and I was like huh like if someone wants like there always has to be a first and you could say tokenism man I'm just gonna get fucking slaughtered for all this just be honest okay gives a shit um what about the companies like um that put uh the first snowboarders on because they wanted to uh like back back way 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 back in the day that were like oh we're gonna sponsor snowboarders because they wanted to please a certain demographic and they wanted a piece of the of that market. I don't think those guys were complaining with their unlimited credit cards and all that shit. And now it's like, dude, I don't care how I get in. I don't care if I get in because I'm a fucking groundhog. Like, just let me in. Give me a chance. And yeah, there is always going to be people that are put on programs that maybe because of their skills shouldn't be there, but it's creating a spot and then someone like, these girls that are in the uninvited are going to get ha- going to have an opening even if like the first round just don't like judge the first round of things mm-hmm. and don't like if someone wants to give someone like you an opportunity you're going to complain about it mm-hmm. i get it like i get that sometimes it seems insincere and cheesy but like who gives a fuck that's a good point that's a great point who gives a fuck like just give them an opportunity that's let a great us point. in yeah. i don't care how i get in that's a great point i love that it's what you do with it mm-hmm. it's not like just the fact that you have it yeah one, and one other thing, I want to get, I want to pick your brain on something that I notice, and <clears throat> so I'm friends with a bunch of team managers, uh, like just we know a bunch of people in snowboarding, right? There's discussions, and um, and I want to preface this with this is meant to be like motivational. It's not meant to, it's it's meant to be, and, and hopefully it's not taken the wrong way. But I noticed that like a lot of teams, they're like, we need to put on more women, right? We need to put them on. Like we're trying to sign a woman, we're just not sure who. 
we're trying to sign a woman. We're just not sure who that's a, that's a common theme I hear. And I, I feel like there's, there's like kind of an upper tier of women who are, are just like clearly kind of just have really dominated in their respective genres. Right. And then there, there's a, there's a large portion of incredible, incredible women snowboarders, but they haven't leveled up into that, that next category. And I feel like, I feel like, uh, and I don't know if this is to be taken wrong. You can correct me or tell me if I'm out of line with this too. I'm just totally being open with this, but I feel like that, that just like the way that you leveled up and MFR leveled up and Desiree and there's, there's like, you know, the list goes on, but, um, like that level up is, is, uh, like, it's like, I feel like this is what I'm trying to say is that women, some women are so, so close to the level up. They just need a little more of a nudge. And I'm like, they're, they're closer than they think to getting the, the bigger deal. You know what I mean? What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's something missing with like it that I think it's just in like the past two years I feel like companies are like because I've been dealing with these companies not with my own sponsors but by doing these uninvited videos for I guess the past five years and trying to advocate to the girls to the sponsors and like talking to those team managers and Mm -hmm. having them be like oh we really want to do something but there's literally nothing we can do for these girls Mm -hmm. like I'm like can you send them an extra board so they can sell it like Mm -hmm. this this could be the next thing and now they want someone at the top but there nobody has done anything to create put any resources in at the bottom like there is with dudes there's like dude ams there really isn't chick ams maybe like now of a, a couple yeah in the past couple of years but it takes a couple of years to develop the amount of skills that like that's an understatement like the amount of skills that jill perkins has you know it takes a couple of years um so i think that it's important if they, I think the companies that are going to win at this game about and the, the ones that are able to like get and retain the best chick riders out there, they need to like put some effort into developing the ones that they can see like have the work ethic, have the potential, have the drive, and give them some resources and take them out filming. And like a lot of the girls haven't like that are sick, like haven't even really been filmed, they don't even know what they look like. So, like, yeah, if they suck, like they may not know it yet. <laughs> if they need to improve, they may not know it yet. And um, I'm not saying that, like, I know there's a ton of guys out there struggling too that are, aren't ams and whatever, but there is, there is this like arc for the dudes mm-hmm. and for the girls, they, they all of a sudden want the, the best pro rider or the best, the sickest rider out there. But um, the reason that there's a short, there's a reason that there's a shortage. That's a great point. Yeah, they need to invest in them while they're young and get them on a crew, get them out with people. Cause then you do get to that next level advancement. And also make them feel like there's something to shoot for because really there's two levels. There's nothing and then there's super pro. And so the girls that are coming up that are like, shit, I'm like breaking myself every year. I'm spending all my money. I'm working full time in the summer just to spend it all in the winter to get by. Like, is there any, if that pro position like is so unattainable, but if there's something in the middle being like, oh, well, I heard so-and-so actually got like a $3,000 budget this year. Mm-hmm. Um that that would tide me over for the winter. I could live on that and film a part and or a small travel budget. Like there isn't that thing to shoot for. So I think a lot of girls that have the potential quit. And I've seen girls like Jesse Hagee or like Corinne Pasela, like the sickest. They could have changed everything, but the industry wasn't there to see that. That was at a time they didn't even want the the, the pro, the top girls. Mm-hmm. 
That's honestly, that's such a great sense of perspective. That's like, I, that was such an eloquent answer. I, I love that. And, and light bulbs going off for idiot dudes mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that need to hear that, honestly, because we, we need to like, you know, understand things. And, and, um, I, so I love when it's explained in such a great way, like, oh yeah, idiot, they, did, they didn't invest in the team, them as AMs for them to you know the farm, the farm team for them to get graduate into the from the minors into the pros. You know that's what the uninvited is. It's mm-hmm. a fucking farm. <laughs> the farm team. <laughs> yeah, brands get their one big pro, and then they're like, "All right, we're set. We got our women." Let's yeah, and go. then two years later, they're like, "Oh, oh, we need a new one. What do we do?" Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Uh, well, on the subject, we got a question from one of the uninvited members. Here we Uh-oh. go. Hi, Jess. It's your dear friend, Derry McLean. Uh, you've done so much for me within my snowboarding, as well as every other aspect of my life. Um, and I've watched you support and encourage and really propel many women's snowboard careers. So my question for you is what compels you to do so much for other people? Um, what motivates you to do things like spend your own money and your time and your sanity so that other girls can film video parts? I just can't really wrap my mind around that. I think you're the most selfless person I know, so I'd just love to know where that comes from. Um, I could honestly go on and on about how many kind things you've done for me and how much you mean to me and how great you are, but I'll leave it at that. Love you. Uh, Bombhole, I'm a big fan. I can't wait to hear this episode. Thanks. Oh, shout out Dara. That was nice. He's a big old ear horn. Wish she'd say that stuff to me in real life. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> um, what motivates me to do that stuff is because I remember, I remember what it was like. <gasps> there were so many things like when I got came into it that fucking sucked. <laughs> And so many experiences that were, like, brutal that almost broke me. And I just want to help people, you know, like, this whole pro snowboarding thing, it feels really selfish. And there's a point, like, on the upswing, you're like, cool. But then there's a point where you're like, what is this for? This is, like, this is fucked up. This is all ego. This is whatever. And, I mean, it's probably selfish in a way, too, to, like, try to help all these people because I want to feel like my life has meaning. And especially after, like, certain really big things that have happened in my life that kind of reframe my perspective on, like, what are we doing while we're here? And also, like, there's this huge, huge, like, I I hate using, like, cliche terms, but, like, this imposter syndrome where I've always been, like, like, I never thought, I I never even knew that you could really make a a career off snowboarding. I just wanted to film one video part that would, like, bitch slap people in the face. That was my goal. And I didn't, realized you could like make money off it and have a living and I guess like I'm so connected to those girls that are have these dreams because I like I mean not even like officially through the uninvited stuff like I'm always like hitting them up on Instagram or like watching what they're doing and um trying to encourage them and and I can see that they're struggling and I can see like how like how just a little bit of encouragement could push them to the next level and like I care about girls snowboarding um I really care and I want to see it go as far as it can go like even if it's at the expense of my own career um and so I also just want to share what I have like I from the 
first snowboard that I got, uh, for the first sticker pack I got, I'd split it in half and give the other half to my friends, you know, like, I don't know, it just makes it, you're getting something and then you're like spreading it, not to be a nice person, but just like, it makes you feel like you've gotten more because all your bros and your friends <laughs> are benefiting from it too, in a way, you know, we're like, are stoked and yeah you're bringing everyone along for the ride it's yeah it's incredible and then if you look at like just just for people that aren't familiar like i've, I've been told that you've spent over twenty five thousand dollars of your own travel budget and budget on helping these women and, and things like that is that correct i mean i've never added it up but yeah at least that. <laughs> yeah. yeah probably more by now huh? and that's just powerful because it you know it's not what you're describing is not something taught to North Americans as a culture, you know, or most, I don't know if any cultures teach that, but it's, it's just really powerful to understand, you know, and, and uh, yeah, like what's the point of money if you have nobody to share it with, you know, we've, we've mentioned that on the show and that's, that's kind of a shitty corny cliche analogy, but in regards to all that stuff, you know, it's a, it's a powerful message and, and uh, yeah, like going, I mean, diving into a little bit of a wormhole that's kind of heavy as well, but too, like, you know, I, when you, when you lose somebody close to your perspective of what matters shifts too. And that like, kind of, when you think about all from, from an aerial view, from looking at it from 3000 feet and not just this daily grind of horse blinders of day to day, you realize like in the big picture, what's important. And I think that that's like, you know, that to me also seems not to put words in your mouth where that stems from too, right? And you you did mention that, so. Yeah, I mean, it's all going to end. Yeah. And there's going to be a point where we're going to ask ourselves, like, what did I what did I do with my life besides doing stuff for myself? Because I definitely have reframed my my priorities. And, and but I mean, like, even before that shit happened, I – always had that mentality because I think I, I came from like I, I was like always felt like I was the underdog and I wanted to be like the people's champ and I felt like I was like gunning for all the people who couldn't make it or who didn't like all the dudes I knew at my local hill who like had the talent but never got a chance you know um the people's champ the people's <laughs> champ I like that but yeah I lost track of my thoughts well like you said you were talking about as you uh, as you mature and you go through different experiences and you you just live life, you start to realize like, what am I doing? What am I gonna leave behind? What's my mark? And I went through that at once. Like, you know, people have these big serious jobs where they're doctors or they're changing the world, and here we are out just traveling around, having getting fun, kicked out of streets, shooting <laughs> each other, and you eventually start to think like, oh, what what is this? And yeah. Finally, through this podcast, I think Chris and I are able to experience a different side of affecting people and talking about on deeper subjects, and and that's rad. So I understand like you're taking a different approach, sense of purpose, in yeah, sense of and, totally. And you're able to maybe elevate all of women snowboarding, and that's awesome. So it's I think the life experiences have led you to that, and it's it's an awesome thing, and it's cool to see that you're doing that. I've always had this kind of like Robin Hood mentality too. That I thought was, I always thought it was such a sick concept. <laughs> not that, I hope 
too many of my sponsors aren't listening, but like the whole, well, fuck it. <laughs> They're I, all listening. Fuck it. I used to ride for Nike, okay? And I was like, are you serious? These trips that we'd be on, the dinners they take us to. And it was like, you know, the whole Robin Hood, like steal from the rich and give to the poor. And I see, I see that, that gap for the girls that there is money at the top, but there's nothing below it. So I was essentially trying to like fill that in as in I told you so, because it was like, if you just give these girls like the tiniest thing, like let them sleep in your hotel room, give them a seat in your rental van, uh, use, let your filmer film them. And all of a sudden they are the next big thing. And it's kind of like, yeah, fucking told you guys, like, why didn't you help them out? And not that I would ever, I was like hiding for a long time that I was even doing that because I just wanted the impression, like, you know, like fake it till you make it kind of thing. The impression to be that, um, there were girls just coming up. So the guy, the companies better put them on. Mm -hmm. You know, give them some resources. You were sneaking them in the side door. I was sneaking them in the side door. <laughs> What's funny is one Nike dinner at a trade show oh could fund a whole Dude, it was, fleet of women. It was killing me. It was yeah. killing me. You see those I, like eighty K bills and some yeah. of these trade show rep dinners or Well facts. also I, I gotta commend you on the fact that it's fucking working. Like if you literally just go through, you know, I know it's probably hard to be the the farm team where you bring them up and then they move on, but like that's That's okay. That's like like uh Ilfa, for example. I got to give her an air horn. I'm a huge, <laughs> huge fan, humongous fan. But, like, I got a Burton deal, and, you know, she's Maria killing Thompson. it. Maria Thompson. Kennedy. Yeah, Kennedy. Let's give Ken all those air horns, big old air horns. But it's like what you're doing is you're you're basically like, all right, this shit doesn't exist. I'm creating my own fucking system to bring women up, and fuck you guys. And, like, now explaining it in that manner is is great now hopefully people listening to this are going to be like oh yeah shit we need to we need to fucking step our shit up here you know maybe or maybe they'll and be like oh i'm so sick of hearing about no this is a totally shit. different context no, i think this you're is putting a different it in context. a different light you're like showing shining a different light on it as like oh every woman needs x amount of budget to go you're like actually wow. showing here's the showing the issue you're explaining it in a Thanks, good, guys. You're explaining it in a good way because I'll tell yeah, you this. That was that's been my goal since I was born. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> right out the womb. As a man, I, I like to, we are kind of idiot Neanderthals, okay? Like we're just like that's why I this is my theory. I have no science behind this. But the reason why it's like it seems appears to be easier for us to to like backlip a kink rail is because I can just go like hollow head and just be like, I'm gonna try this. I don't give a shit if I fucking tomahawk down the stairs. Like, I can just, like, it's just uh, idiot, like, fucking idiot Neanderthal, you know? Like, and I think it's, which is great for doing tricks, but sometimes as dudes, you know, we're idiot Neanderthals in, like, not understanding things. And so. Well, yeah, wow, you just brought, made me think of something. It's like, for all the straight guys out there, have you ever had a girlfriend? Have you ever had an argument with your girlfriend? Mm -hmm. It's like, all of these swirling thoughts and you're just like, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so true. So it's like everything is so much. And I mean, maybe that's not it for everyone, but like the communication, like the amount of like words and thoughts and, and, and like small inferences and um, this intuition and like all the stuff that you take, like, you know, you might leave somewhere after you get coffee and your girlfriend's like, uh, that chick was a bitch. <laughs> you're like, you're like what? Like, yeah, you see how she was meh. And yeah. you're just like, and you didn't huh? notice. Yeah, and the only yeah. thing going through oblivious. my head is just like, I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah totally. You so know? I'm hungry and I want to fuck. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like when you're standing on the drop-in ramp, you're like, oh my god, 
uh, what if I break my leg and then I can't work next year? Like, I mean, everyone thinks that stuff, but like, there's all this other stuff too. Like, do these people even want me to be here? I bet they don't want me to be here. They just looked at me funny. They didn't hand me the shovel, right? Like, not to say that that's what we're thinking about, but it's a lot more. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, I guess for like, I feel like the people who have the hardest time with um, understanding this stuff is probably straight dudes. So just think about like those arguments you yeah. had with your girlfriend that you're like, yeah. what? You're so oblivious. That's what, that's what we're dealing with to try to punch through that and yes. backlip a kink rail. Yes, exactly. So. It's a great topic. And then also I want to rewind to something you said earlier and going back, I feel as though like, you know, it's changing in the sense that women were grew, grew up, men played with like toy trucks and women played with Barbies and, and you kitchen know, sets and kitchen sets. And like my sister, for example, doesn't let her kids play with her. Bar- she's got two girls. She doesn't let the girls play with Barbies. She's like, you be whoever you want to be. And, and so the way I, I describe that or see that is like, you know, there's, there's masculine and feminine traits in both men and women. Now, some men grow up and they want to, play with the Barbies from a young age. And that's fucking, let's go do that. Like play with the bar. You don't need to play with the trucks. And in the same sense is like women want to play with the trucks or whatever. Like what, but what we're describing in a lot of this stuff is masculinity and femininity and masculinity and femininity doesn't have to do with what, uh, sex you are. It doesn't have, it's, it's a choice of whatever, you know, you're called to. And so like blurring those lines, it's like it's it's okay to you don't have to fall into this any type of box and and that's like hopefully opens up women's light bulbs as a not as a small like as a full population to be like oh snowboarding is not like a boy sport I can go do that so it opens it up to the masses yeah you know what I used to have a big problem not a problem okay yeah big problem with the super girly chicks that were like skateboarding in a thong or like I don't know even the ones in snowboarding that had this like super sparkly like everything is unicorns Mm kind of image and I was like oh like fuck if you keep doing that no one's gonna take us seriously you know but um my roommate Ben Bullock who like always has the fucking always has to (laughs) he's a contrarian he's not afraid to tell you the (laughs) yeah only a contrarian yeah um even if you agree what he just agreed with he's gonna he's gonna go the other way but he was like yeah think about all the girls that were look at you and you're like fucking rake yawn you're not gonna get a lot of those girls are just not even going to approach snowboarding. They're not going to, um, they're not even going to want to get involved because they don't see themselves at all because you are so far, like you and Desiree and whoever like are so far on the other side of, of the dirtbag line. Mm-hmm. Um, but those girls who are all sparkly and whatever, like could get like other girls out there can see themselves in that and, um, would start snowboarding or skateboarding because of it. And even though like still it's hard for me to watch some of that stuff. Cause I hate when, how shit is like focused on how you look. It sucks. It sucks. Um, if you're not like facially gifted as others are, but gifted, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there's, Booty there's gifted. room for everyone. <laughs> butt gifted is a great term. Butt by gifted. The way. Oh, she's, that's, a, that's an ass a, gifted. She is butt gifted. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> No, but also that it really, I think it really, it, it's so good because it brings so many more women in. Yeah, we right? need them too. And, well, we okay, hold on. Off. Let's cut the woman thing and just go to the snowboard thing. Uh, it's the same with guys. Like, yeah. You guys have probably seen dudes that just bug you to fucking, like contest guys or not, not in general, but like just certain riders that you're like, oh, this guy is 
like fucking cringe but that guy might get like we need all kinds of the guys we can't just here's the deal Here's the I love making fun of all different types of genres of snowboarding. <laughs> I love it. Me like too. you're just like, oh my god, look at this granola blader yeah. fucking fitness guy, like or like mountain elitist. But it's like at the end of the day, we need them all. I understand. Like it's okay to to poke a little jab, and but also understand like that guy makes us like almost look better. Or that like you need the yin <laughs> with the yang. You need totally. the, you need the guy that just wants to go get a wacky board and carve. So we can make fun of him and backlip the rail, you know, and vice versa. He's like, that guy can't even fucking turn. I'm like, well, hit a jump, you know. But well, if we want budgets, we need them all up there. That's yeah. the other yeah. thing. Like, the people, more the merrier. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, the snowboard industry. But people are just skiing now or whatever. It's like, you guys want to make a living at this. There needs to be money in the industry. And that's, oh, that is something that so many people don't see the, like, the fact that this is a business, mm-hmm. not your writing is not a business, but I don't know that, that like, uh, that sense of entitlement of like, Oh, it should be, should be this or should be that. It's like, have you ever asked yourself why? Mm-hmm. Like also, have you ever thought about the fact that if everybody snowboarded exactly like you did, you'd hate them. You'd be the mainstream. Yeah, you true. If everybody was front board in the rail, I'd be like, I'm a turn guy. I know yeah. for a fact, cause I'm a fucking, <laughs> Oh, you want me to do this thing? I'm gonna yeah, you're going to do something different. You start ski touring or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, that would be sick. Like, every touring guy comes to the park, starts jibbing, and they're like, fuck this, man, I'm touring now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we all started snowboarding to kind of stray away from what the masses were doing. Okay, I think it's time for a little, you know what? Name that video part. Okay, Name That Video Part is unofficially sponsored by a local restaurant here in Salt Lake City that supports snowboarders, and it's owned by snowboarders, and it's called Spidelli's. We like to uh, promote local small snowboard businesses intermittently here on the podcast, pro bono. And uh, Spidelli's, it's got, uh, what, the Merrill Manza. He's got his own pizza. Harrison Gordon's got a pizza. I got the Grendy's Gold Medal Pie. Pat Moore's got a signature dish. Uh, and the, the owner's... Two brothers, Mac and Sam Spadell, they are avid snowboarders. So if you are in Salt Lake City and want to support a cool pizza shop, go to Spadelli's. And if you mention that you came because of the bomb hole, they'll give you 15% off. So let's get into uh, name that video part. How are we feeling, Jess? Confidence level 0 through 10. What do you got for us? Um, fake it till you make it. 11. Wow. Woo! Love that. Highest, yeah. highest we've gotten. Oh, wait. Confidence level on name that video part? Yeah. I thought you just meant in life. <laughs> um, my confidence level on name that video part drops significantly. Okay. Um, we need a number. Fuck. I don't know what, I don't know what uh, era you're going for, but let's just go three. Three's a solid, solid number. Get a lot of threes. <laughs> the 11, that was, I was stoked. Yeah, we thought you were coming out swinging. But I actually no, like that that's in, in life. That's that's tight. Okay, here we go. Okay, 11. Okay, what is it? Oh, it's um, Desiree and Laura's part in the first Video Grass video. Absolutely correct. Winner, winner. That is, yeah, congrats. I also feel like that's almost, if you didn't get that, that was uh, people would be bummed. I mean, you've thrown some meatballs out. That's a meatball sub. You know that that, is a, that's a so, meatball so, pizza from Spadelli's. Yeah, exactly. 15% I off. I think also the term meatball. meatball, I believe, from what I understand, I've always thought it as like when when they throw a baseball and it, the pitch is just, it's a it's an easy one to hit. 
Because it's, it's like a, a meatball. big, big meatball. So I think some people don't understand the meatball reference I've read in the comments Oh, really? Before. Yeah. I've heard that before. So it's like, oh, like, dude, you're going to go yard with that thing because it's a meatball. So yeah. like, it's like a, you lobbed a meatball at him and then they fucking hit it over And the anyone wall. can slam a meatball with a bat. Exactly. Especially if it's a big Italian yeah. meatball. We should maybe add that to the spinning wheel of death. Uh, hit, hit a meatball. meatball. Hit a, a meatball. Yeah. All right. I wish you guys were playing it up like that was really hard. Good job, <laughs> 11. Hey, guess what you get? I almost forgot to give Booyah. you Booyah. Uh, we got a bombhole igloo cooler that is filled with bombhole merch. We got a, I believe we got a coffee mug. What else is in there? Wait, Shirt. I get this? This, or is, this? Yours. this is yours. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's yours. That's Dude, your. That's a very sought after cooler too. People are like, you should sell those, but you got the only yeah, way we don't, get it is we if you won't come on sell the show. Them. Yeah, it's so. a very special item. Um, you can oh. put that next to all your Transworld Rider Pole Awards. Yeah, uh, Women's it Rider means of the Year. just as much. I would put it just above that in the trophy shelf because it's yeah. actually more important. An, you have an X Games gold medal. This goes above that. I'll for put sure. the, all the trophies inside it. <laughs> yeah, put the trophies inside that. That's a great idea. Keep them cold. Keep them room temp. Uh, okay, part two. This is for the listeners, viewers. If you're unfamiliar with how it works, when if you know what video this song is from. Then you comment on Jess's picture on Instagram when her episode comes out, the first photo of Jess, and we that's how we pick our winner. And basically, uh, you get a prize pack, and we're on it now. So we haven't been missing prize packs. If you're the first one, you will win. Here we go. Coming at you. Off my wizards. Keep the game on those digits and keep that bottle on that biscuit. Okay. Thank you guys for playing. Now, um, before we have so much shit to talk about, well, one thing I think is cool is you kind of got some, some, you know, you, you were riding for Capita and C3 for a long time and shout out to those guys the whole time. But then you kind of got some bigger deals. You got on Monster and you got on Nike, which are some definite uh, biscuit winners in the these uh, are the guys you want back in you and and so how did those i was just curious like how did those deals come about <laughs> it's funny it's it all comes from riding for capita because blue was backing me and i just like caught her i caught a ride so i never know when you're gonna <laughs> press a button sorry i was looking for the air horn button for blue keep it um, going i knew it i knew it um and blue was like blue's two best friends are bobby makes and cody dresser and um, I, th- <laughs> um, I was I like caught a ride down from Whistler with Blue on his way to the airport, and Cody Dresser was in the car, and I like whipped out my iPod Touch and was like, or Blue was like, show me pictures, show me pictures, because I had so many snowboard photos, and I had them on hand at all times, because I was like, if I. <laughs> I ever need to get an opportunity, um, I gotta, I gotta have him here. True professional. Um, so I'd be like, "Yo, check these out," and he was like, "Damn, you got a lot." There was like thirty or something, like pretty good ones. Um, and he talked to Evan, I think, and then Evan put me on, which was Evan Lefebvre. Which was yeah, shout out. So many horns. That was really sick. And then, and then Bobby, like, I was riding for a different. Um, company and I had been riding for them for a long time and was kind of not really feeling the love from the team manager there or I felt like you know whenever I had seen him he was like oh Ben's girlfriend <laughs> you know um, or yeah it just wasn't really happening so I was at a construction job I remember Bobby called and I was like 
because I was like, dude, anything, give me anything, give me anything, like spit in my face and I'll take the switch. That's a good, that's a good, uh, like an agent, like it's good negotiations there. Yeah. yeah. Spit in my face and I'll take it. I'll do it. I'll sign. <laughs> spit on me. Um, he, he's like, what do you need? And I like came up with the most basic. Sorry. Just think about this negotiation tactic. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Continue. Um, I thought of like the most basic amount, you know, that would make sense that that I was like really hoping this other company might give me um because the part had just come out and I won all the awards and but I had no idea still of my own value or anything and he hit he called me back and was like I'm sorry we just can't do it like we want to do it but like everything spent for the year it was like the wrong time in the budget season and I was like oh okay I used to it used to getting shot down um and then a couple weeks later he called me back and was like, hey, we actually found it. So, like, I initially switched to Nike for an amount that w- wouldn't even, literally, like, I can't, <laughs> for a, a, Let's talk biscuits. Yeah, Let's just biscuits. talk biscuits. Come on. You don't ride for them anymore, so you can talk yeah, about it. Yeah, true. So, it, I mean, uh, now I feel bad saying this, now that we're going to state amounts, because there's a lot of people out there who would suck dick for this but you just won women's rider of the year right or women's video part is it, which one was it video part and reader's choice so you just just mind you you were very accomplished already in the sense with this number so yeah preface it with those that. awards are a big deal it's like you're basically number best video part of every woman on the planet so i was looking for a thousand bucks a month very so 12 yeah. grand and um he called me back like after after being like we can't do it and I was like yeah obviously no one can do that you know um I think that was what someone told me to ask for and he called me back and was like yeah oh we we can do it and I was like what yes so then I switched like my first year with Nike was uh was for that and then the next contract was significantly more than that booyah love that I mean Nike's got deep pockets yeah Yeah, and you you and that's good to know that you learned your worth and you start to get, you got to, you got valued for what you were worth. You know, it sounds like with the Nike deal. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was crazy to make any money from snowboarding. Like literally at that time I was, I remember we were pouring a pool deck because I used to <laughs> do masonry um, when Bobby called. So I was like, any amount of money was the sickest amount of money. To get me out of doing this. Yeah. And uh, so uh, let me snowboard. In your own words, spit in my face and I'll take it. <laughs> spit in my spit face, in my face but also slide me a check for a thousand <laughs> yeah. a month. And I will take it. Honestly, a thousand a month was yeah. Huge. Leave that construction site that day, yeah, with a bundle of cash. Absolutely. So I heard a little uh, statistic that you are the most decorated Trans World uh, pole person of all time. I mean, I I'm not sure. Like, call into the show if you have more awards, but I think I have eleven. <laughs> call Trans World. Someone's gonna call in. I have 12. Well, no, because <laughs> they're always like, I, I've gone to all the, the You've awards won one shows. men's awards too, right? I was up for some men's awards. Up for. Um, rookie of the year. Rookie of the year, standout performance of the year twice. Um, and. Two women's rider of the year. Three women's video part of the year. Five women's reader choice awards. Reader's choice is the big one, I think, because that's the from the people. And that's Five. People's champ, told you. You're the people's champ. We're going to just call Not her the pros champ. 17 rider of the year, snowboarder. Buds, we're going to call her the people's champ for the rest of the year. She show. is the people's champ. We're just, she's not Jess, she's the people's champ. Try to get it to stick. 
But okay, so I'd be at the award shows. Not that I care. Like I honestly didn't. I thought these were automatic. If you filmed a girl's video part, you were going to get them because it, the first few years was just like sweep, sweep, sweep. And I didn't think I deserved them. I just got them. So now looking back, not winning awards right now, <laughs> it's kind of crazy to, to think like how, but I just didn't understand it yet. But they would always be like, oh yeah, welcome the most decorated uh, writer of all time, Danny Cass with eight awards or Nicholas Mueller with eight awards or whatever. And it'd always be like, bitch, I got 12. Well, no, I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, I knew I, that you're just so used to like, people don't care about the girls. They don't care. I mean, That's now sad. they do. Okay. But, um, no one would ever like go think like, Oh, maybe it's a girl who has the most or, and if they did, they'd be like, Oh, well, of course it's easy for you. You guys just have to do a front board and well, you're you putting yeah, I don't know. That's I wouldn't put per words in people's mouths per se because I don't. Think okay, sorry, happens. not today, but then. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, let me let me give you this perspective. I know that sounds bitter, and I've been like, don't sound bitter, but. <laughs> Note to self. Don't, okay. Okay, the people's champ. Continue. Uh, the, you know, like something like that. Like, like nobody's ever. Can't, I don't care about the awards really, but it's it's kind of annoying when you're like, whoa, people completely disregarded. How many I've gotten. But also, like, name that video part, the chicken head part. Shout out Justin Meyer, first of all. Let's start with that. Let's start high and, and end low. Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> cut, start, cut, and cut him down. Let's cut him down. Um, not even him, okay? But, like, I was so excited. Like, the, I needed that so bad to, to because there hadn't been anything since, since Mofo's parts. And by then, she was like, eh, I'm going to go ride powder. Um, that Marie part came out. Mofo, I love that. Oh, yeah. Everyone calls her Mofo, I mean, in Canada. I didn't yeah. know that. Okay, yeah. I love it. So, um, I think, like, her dad probably calls her Mofo, even. Um, so, chicken head part. Chicken head part. I was so excited for that part to come out. I was at the premiere, and I had my camera set up on a tripod, like my little point and shoot, to record it so that I could play it and have it in my pocket at all times. And it came on, and it was like a joke. Like, these girls were my heroes, and it it was a joke. So like that tells us we're a fucking joke. Sorry. But the 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 chicken head the way it was edited. Well, the the part was edited like with kind of to be like lighthearted and funny, I think, but also also not knowing the the impact yeah, I, that that would have. have. But that that like the the lighthearted the the funny thing was always like make fun of the girls as much as like you guys probably didn't notice it for sure and I'm not like oh they shouldn't have done that it's just like that was it You're yeah like, that's a good point they list point. a girl in the videos I remember when Cheryl Mass is, was on the all the marketing for Forum that and I was like oh my god Forum that went to the fucking premiere same with um Escromble or whatever that Vulcan video mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. first one in line at the premiere can't wait like the whole and that one didn't have titles so the whole time I'm like was that Cheryl was that Cheryl was that Cheryl and they're never in the video mm -hmm. so it's like it's kind of like bitch don't even try you know mm -hmm. That's a good point. Uh, no, that's that's super powerful. And that, at that point, yeah, it is like. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate here a little Do bit it. in the fact that Justin Meyer makes fun of everybody with his editing. For sure. No, no, no. That so, wasn't, dude. But, I like fucking love Justin. But I, Darth I just, Meyer. Just to, yeah, just to like to downplay, not to like devalidate what you said because what you said is very. Oh, it wasn't. Val it wasn't Justin Meyer. Yeah. It was just snowboarding as a whole. That was yeah. kind of like what you did. I mean, that was the same year that. Dara was on Tosh.0. Yeah. And Dara's never gotten a fair chance, and she's really fucking good. Mm -hmm. 
but she's been and i mean that's been pushed into her mind too like you're a fucking joke you're literally a joke you're a meme you know but uh, i'm not saying that that's what i just want to like give the like i i don't care and i i mean i'm the first one to make fun of us you know but i just want to like give that other perspective of like all those things like all your experiences add up True. and if all of them are like you don't really count mm-hmm. obviously i'm deeply scarred spit in my face no it's a, <laughs> <laughs> such a it's such a valid point it's, no it is a it, valid point yeah. but yo fucking justin i love you once you came and filmed me at the red ledge before i was anyone and i was like so cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to try my first back 180 onto something ever, not even in the park. Hadn't even tried it and just mm-hmm. died. On the red ledge. On the red ledge. Woo! No, sorry. It was the green ledge when it was painted oh, red. Okay. So, whoa. It was painted, huh? My, the, the, like, the brother of the red, red ledge. The just brother. Up, just up the road. Just up the road. The little sister. So, the looking sister. back at the, the chicken head part, are you still, obviously, it's still something you're thinking about and... No, it's not something I'm thinking about. I just remember being like building up to, and like honestly too, like it was probably because they didn't have enough shots or whatever. But when you're like, why didn't they? Maybe they, I don't know. I don't. I wasn't there. Yeah. Um, it was obviously because they had to be in the video and they didn't have enough shots or whatever. That's what I was told. It was just, how does it make me feel now? It's not what that chicken head part made me feel. It's what every. Every one of these um, experiences kind of like are just like, oh, it's like such a like letdown because you think it's into a yeah, into a bigger letdown. I have a topic that I think is cool. So, you know, I think I I find myself as I get older, I look at at people and who they are and I think about like, do I want what they have? Do I want what the sacrifices that it takes to do such things. Do I want, like, sure, this person might be the greatest snowboarder of all time, but are they happy or this or that? That's getting a little deep and off the rails. But what what I want to talk about is, like, you know, the amount of slams and sacrifice that you've taken for this sport and, like, thinking about, because I think a lot of times people say, oh, my God, Jess, she's sitting there, she's, She's done so well. She has big budgets from sponsors, or I don't know if they're thinking that, but maybe. And but let's think about let's talk about like what goes in behind the scenes to get there, and the amount of slams and what you put your body and mind through. Because let's list off some, maybe start with some injuries, or you take oh, it, I mean, take it from there however you want. I I, I was doing this like a uh, sports psychology kind of thing, um, the intake form, and it was like name your injuries, all of them, even your scars, and I was like. Okay, how many? I'm gonna have to add like a couple pages to the back here, but I just started scanning from like top to bottom, and there's something everywhere. Um, I mean, it's just countless. I don't even know if there's a point to majors. Let's go majors. I lacerated my liver really bad and almost died. My ribs caved in and cut it open. Um, that was before I even moved to Whistler. So like, I've always had really bad injuries, and then there's also like been just a lot of really bad bails that didn't result in bad injuries, but I definitely know that I was probably known for, oh yeah, the, from the Think Tank movie came out, I had my own bonus section in the DVD uh, that was just bails. So yeah, I mean, bailed a lot. I think a lot of it was, and like, fuck me, I don't want to keep going back to this, but like, I felt like they weren't going to take us seriously. So like, you have to, like, I wanted to show 
how much I was willing to give. Cry button. <laughs> <laughs> Love the cry count. It's you good. go hard. And that's that. Yeah. And also, like, I've, I've been in situations where the filmer didn't want to film me or was just like, oh, fuck, it's cold. I don't want to get out of the van. So, like, if, like, you do your little warm-up thing, and if you, like, hawk something crazy and, like, smash super hard and then get back up and run to the top of the stairs, like, maybe they'll be like, oh, shit, better get out and get my camera set up, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's, like, a, a lot of reasons for it. Also, like, I just couldn't land stuff. But you know, it's a, a, a note here, and I talk about this on the show a lot. I, I always say, like, if I was a brand, well, if I'm looking for, uh, if I'm a talent scout, per se, for a brand, right, and I'm looking for the determining factor on who I would sign for, like, the next person on team, to me, drive is such, drive is at the top. And when I hear you talk, everything goes back to drive. And wherever that drive come from, but, like, your drive was unmatched. And so, you know, with that drive comes... I don't give a shit if I, I want this so bad. I don't care if I get two concussions on the spot. I don't care if I blow my knee, knees, shoulders, everything, you know, and that, that like unsatiable drive to, to, for lack of a better term, make it via getting these tricks is like unmatched, you know? And so it's just, I got to commend you on that. And also realize like, that's, Hey, like you want to try to do the damn thing. Here's some, here's what Jess went through, you know? Like here's here and, and are you ready to go in the ho- are you ready to spend some nights in the hospital and, and destroy your body because saddle up you know I don't know just a topic I like to talk about well man it's funny like doing the uninvited stuff like a lot of the girls that's I found some girls that are like incredibly driven and are gonna and like are kind of doing the same thing to me at the spot like where I'm like I'm there to film them and I'm like holy shit like should I tell them to stop <laughs> you know um, yeah. but then there's also the other ones who are really have and this is like a mistake that I made in the with the early films was just like giving too much and trying to help too much and trying to prevent them from having to go through that shit you get those people that kind of expect a lot for not doing a lot and are even like uh pay for my own filmer like I have I to this day pay for my own filmer out of my pocket because I just don't want to take the chance that I'm going to go on a trip and the filmer's not going to give a shit and not film me and then they'll have an easy out oh this is why there's no chicks in the movie whatever um but yeah, there's I see people with the same drive. I think I I overcompensated so hard coming from like now it looks more likely that you might make it, but I came from like there's no fucking way. There's no way. So I'm just going to like go so far over and like go down in flames, go out swinging and be like fuck you. I fucking <laughs> yeah. Like ooh, I really showed everyone just like broke my body to <laughs> That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But um You'd be on a trip and filmers straight up, like you went on a trip with them to get shots and they stay in the van? Dude, I got, I've been on a, I was like sent on a trip to this one place where like the, the dudes that were there, like I didn't really know them, but I was like, I'll just show up and shovel for them or whatever. They wouldn't answer my texts or calls all week. So I just sat in the hotel room for a week and then went home. And you <laughs> went out there to link with this crew. Yeah. Wow. That's that's disrespectful. That's wild. Some shit. Yeah, I would. I would never not. Yeah, shoot no, someone you. In the crew. No, like there and there's lots of like really sick filmers out there who really like work hard. Yeah, yeah, but and then there's shoot a lot. Everything. Yeah, Should we light these fuckers up real quick. Or? No, nah, there's. That's just insane to me, though. That's like, gotten me into trouble, actually. Yeah. So it's just cra- crazy to me that they're there to do a job, and that's what was crazy to me was seeing that like the work ethic that I came from and work in construction was like you run. I was running. Like I actually, I remember my boss saying. 
I've never seen anyone run on a construction site, but I was fucking running because I didn't want to lose my job. And I wanted them to think maybe we could hire a girl next time because the chicks are going to run, you know? Um, it goes back to what Chris said. You got that drive. It's just yeah. ingrained. Where does it come from? She's Getting kind of shot ha- down. hammering on that. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, you were like this for your whole life too, right? At a young age. I was hearing an interview like you taught yourself how to read super young. And oh yeah, where did you read that? We have our we do deep we do deep dive. dive. We do a deep dive. Um yeah, always been driven for something. I always had this like this fire that had to go somewhere. I don't know what it is or where it came from. And even now, like it's in me. That's why I keep crying. I love it. Yeah, pure passion coming out. It's I mean, it passion. sounds like you're just born with it. Yeah, maybe. I have a question for you. I thought I was talking to uh, Ben Block, and he he mentioned he's he used the word people pleaser. Do you, would you consider yourself a people pleaser? I would consider myself the right people pleaser, maybe, or maybe the wrong people pleaser. But like, I'm also like fuck you to a lot of people as well. I do want to. It, it's not like people pleaser. It's like position pleaser. Oh, that sounds really whack. That's um, not sexual position. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, uh, if I'm given a chance to do something, I just want to fucking kill it at it 100% and go further than anybody else would. Then I can sleep at night and know, like, I didn't waste any opportunities. So, yeah, I probably do. I probably, like, don't say no enough for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't say no enough. And... I even like invent ways to go way overboard where I shouldn't, and it's not even. And then people expect that from you, you know. Beautiful. I'm gonna jump into a quick Patreon, yeah, hit a Patreon question. <clears throat> this is from David Baldwin. Please shed some light into the female male pay difference in snowboarding. I mean, I think if you're at the top, it's probably not that different. I don't know. Um, I mean, I know a lot of guys who aren't getting paid much, and maybe, like, a lot of people would really, like, slam me for this or disagree, but um, it's not the pay difference when you're, like, at the top level. It's just that there's nothing below that. But I think it's changing. As we speak, it's changing. And, yeah, that's where I think that the difference is. The and women basically are getting nothing. Yeah, well, there's nothing for them to shoot for. There's no budget left, but then if you're on the top tier... You're getting probably paid like as much or almost as much as the this the your equal like dudes. Do you think there's women making as much as the top top men? Yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Jamie Anderson. Yeah, Jamie Anderson's a perfect sure. example that some women that do really well. <clears throat> but if you're Am, you have nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, I can't speak to pride. You got my travel budget. You got a percentage of that. Um, but I can't speak to the contest scene at all because I'm not in it. Yeah. I guess I'm just talking about, like, endorsement contracts from companies like Monster and Nike and stuff. Um, I never asked anyone else what they were getting. I think, like, the numbers that they threw out, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, quick, can you sign a paper with that before (laughs) you, like, retract it, you know? Well, I think the contest, the endorsements, they're getting a lot of money if you're winning an Olympic gold and – you getting a McDonald's commercial. You're getting some cheddar. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I think it's time to get into Liquid Death's spinning wheel of death. Now, the thing, before we get into it, I want to talk about uh, Liquid Death because I'm not a fan of murder, but you know what I am a fan of? 
cans, crushing Mur- them, murdering my thirst, murdering your thirst. Exactly, okay, but wow, and, and almost went over my head. Oh yeah, almost <laughs> over your head. I love crushing cans. I Death usually drink plastic. about uh, sixteen to eighteen of these things an episode. Uh, Buds has been urinating like an absolute yeah, racehorse. You've seen me um, because he's hydrated. I'm uh, about four of these deep. Yep. I got a new little trick, dude. I've been throwing a lime in my carbonated ones just wow. on top, almost like if Pro you were tip. drinking Corona. Mm-hmm. Definitely ups it a notch. You know what I like about water. these? Look like a beer as well. You yes. know what I like about them though is I don't get blacked out and like get a DUI if I drive. No, this. you just wake up hydrated. Exactly, I love it. <laughs> so I think it's time to get into the liquid death spinning wheel of death. Here we go. Welcome to the liquid death. Death, death, death. Spinning wheel of death. You know whose voice that is? You, Rayquan. That was Mikey LeBlanc. Oh, so wow. You, or you can't, all, your shoulder's messed up. So you give this thing a spin. Give it a hard spin. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta spin it good. Like, and then uh, we'll do what it lands on. Okay. So the camera can see it. Blind touch test. Okay, guys. We're gonna get into our blind touch test. Now, I think we should maybe... Do you want to hit a run-through-wall smelling salt before to kind of wake your senses up? Um, yeah, sure. Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll pop it, or I'll hand it to you. You squeeze it. There, there it is. I'll she knows it. the drill. Okay. There it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't find my nose. She okay, deep. I hit it. Okay, Here, take on. it. See, item, item one's going to be easy. Grab it. Oh, where is it? It's on the ground. We're good. Okay, we're good. Okay, item one. Uh, here we go. I'm going to hand it to you. Okay. She has item one in her hand. Oh, it's a shovel. No, it's an egg. <laughs> <laughs> that good. Just like that. It's that easy, huh? Okay. Oh, item two. Oh, Phil the dog just came in here. Phil, out. This is a toy. That's correct. That's correct. But what is it? Uh, is it a bug nope. face? Is it a... <laughs> it's something that... in the Oh, wind- it's got a track on the bottom. It's a sled. Wow. It's a sled. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's this awesome. just, that was there's really, like, really this good. isn't the T3. It's like the T- T0. Yeah, that's an old Because I couldn't feel the lugs. That's, a, that's like an 03 Summit. Yeah. I'll take that out of your hands. And lastly, she may go three for three here, folks. Lastly, here you go. Oh, I mean, it's a wig. Oh, oh wow. wow. Okay. That's awesome. All right, three for three. You can take the blindfold off. That was, that, that was that Two was of those fun. were meatballs, though. Were they? Yeah. It's uh, hard to say. It's our first time doing it. We yeah, don't really have any data to say. on what's a meatball and what's not. So, um, congratulations. I don't know what to do no, with this egg. What do we do with the egg? Egg toss. Yeah, we can do egg toss. I got a trash can back here. Egg toss in the booth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Jess, that was a fantastic job. Thank you. By the way, all of the suggestions on that board were actually from, we did an Instagram poll, what should we have on the Liquid Death Spinning Wheel of Death? Every single thing that was on there was commented by you guys. So, you know, again, podcast fueled by the people. Community driven. Speaking of that, our our Patreon is our community. Yes. Let's hit the Patreon question. Let's throw a uh, Patreon question out here. All right, this one is from uh, Benny Pellegrino. 
Do you think there is room in the future for all female snowboard brands? Female snowboard brands? I mean, they already exist. A few. Uh, oh, I think just he's talking snowboard, hard goods. I don't think there's been actually a, a board brand that's all only female. There was Chorus, wasn't there? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I mean, like two hundred years ago. And they only made for female boards. Yeah, it was like I remember Jana Shannon. Oh, they all rode for Chorus, huh? Maybe I don't know. I had the posters, but um, is there room? What I don't know. I don't really think there needs to be. Just all brands should accommodate all people. Well, not all brands should anything. Just do I do I think there? Read the question again. And it's from Benny who Pellegrino, who is shout out huge Benny. Product background, you know him, I'm sure. Do you think there is room in the future for all female snowboard brands? No, I think there shouldn't be room for all female anything in anything because then it like takes away from the talent and um it just doesn't feel legit if if they're just like yeah everyone everyone come on in that makes sense okay i have a question okay and it's in regards to your marketing campaigns for (laughs) the uninvited now uh if you guys don't follow jess or the uninvited on instagram she uses memes where do you get your inspiration for these incredible means? Maybe you can send us a few if you have them on your phone, and we'll showcase them on the screen as you're talking. That would be cool. Yeah, okay. Um, I, well, where do I get them? I mean, it started during the pandemic when we were just literally, like, sitting there scrolling to see, like, when the world was ending, like, right when it started, and everyone was in lockdown. Um, And everyone was posting, like, all this stuff that was kind of stressful, and, like, their own opinions or their own whatever, conspiracy theories or whatever. And I was like, I'm just going to, like, throw up the most ridiculous shit with absolutely no context. And I just kept doing it, and I thought it was funny. Um, so that started, like, the memeing thing, and, and, like, where do I get them? I just have an app that downloads stuff off Instagram. So I will just scroll through, and then, like, the algorithm obviously knows me and sends me um, just the most ridiculous shit. Um, and yeah, I just like at any given time, I also, oh yeah, during, I also like unfollowed a lot of like snowboarding things, unfollowed a lot of like serious accounts. Cause I was like, I just wanted, I didn't want to sit there stressing out that I was like missing out on filming and all this stuff, you know? So I just followed a bunch of meme accounts and like followed certain cats and dogs or pigs or, uh, hedgehogs that I was stoked on. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> And yeah, so I just got into that. And then when it came around time to marketing the uninvited, we don't really have like a marketing budget and also marketing stuff. Just I was like, oh, it's so cheesy, the, the kind of stuff. I just kind of want to make it like a joke or like get my message across um, without saying like girls, this women, this, you know, just like just some funny shit. I wanted to make people laugh because there hasn't been enough laughter. There's never enough, but this past year there's definitely not been enough. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Absolutely. Bad year for laughter. Yeah. Bad year for laughter. <laughs> <We need> to, <laughs> laughter stocks are low. <laughs> those, those are rookie numbers. You need to get the laughter numbers. Yeah. Out. Now, I'm curious, what, uh, what what's a good follow for a gentleman uh, in his mid-30s looking to laugh on the internet? Yeah, you, you got, got a good meme account you, to throw out there? Fuck, there's so many. Um there's some really good gay meme, meme accounts out mm-hmm. there that are really fucking funny. Saint Hoax is one. Mm-hmm. S-A-I-N. Oh, you guys follow that? 
Uh, not that one, but I do follow some other uh, funny gay meme accounts. Uh, Barry's Banter Bus is another one. Um, great name, by the yeah, way. Yeah, great name. Barry's Banter Bus. I love that. <laughs> and you follow straight dog accounts and cat yeah, accounts. Yeah, if, and- <laughs> if they're like putting out good content, you know. It's awesome that dogs have their own accounts these days. I didn't know hedgehogs were in the mix. Yeah. Dude, everything's in the mix. Everything. Everything. I've seen pigs and monkeys. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. But no hedgehogs. That's tight. Beautiful. Well, that's also another footnote. It's like, okay, let's, as much as it sucks, I hate talking about Instagram, but we, I personally tend to look at it too much. I think a lot of people do. And, uh, like, <clears throat> take a gauge on how things make you feel. You're like, oh, yeah, this, I don't like the way this makes me feel. I'm going to, it's a. Yeah, you don't need to follow up. And sometimes you don't even know, you don't even realize how it's making you feel. You just, like, get off your phone and you're in a bad mood or you're just like, oh, I suck. Mm-hmm. But I think stuff, if you make it, like, fill your, it's the same. Like, I want to fill my life with positive people and ridiculous people and people that make me laugh. So I fill my feed because I have to be on it. You know, it's part of the job for sure. And mm-hmm. that's another thing is, like, I thought it would be so funny to and it like I thought it would be just funny to like you know I can't do all those posts all the time that are like me me look at me doing a handstand or whatever on a fucking sunset rock but I can post fucking stupid memes and feel good about it and feel good about it (laughs) because it's like this is like I don't like I don't need someone else to be like oh look at what you're doing like who cares but look at something and laugh and like be able to send it to your friends and laugh and like it's not I don't create the content at all it creates itself and it's already created or like I'll just put a new spin on it or put a different song to it and yeah that's what the people need in these yeah. these uh trying times I think yeah. that's great 100% and that's also an interesting one too like I think that uh you know if I know like when shit's hitting the fan humor is such a great I don't want to say coping mechanism but way too Scoping mechanism. Yeah, make, Absolutely. make yourself able to get out of a shitty situation. Like, when you're in a shitty situation, sled breaks down, and you're fucking 20 miles back, and everything's going wrong, and there's the one guy that's freaking out, you're like... But then, like, you're like, fuck that guy. Like, just... You want you want to be around the guy that's, like, making light of the situation. Totally. You know? Or yeah. or girl, or whoever, for that matter. Don't do that. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to do that. Well, I Not today, at least. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm just... You know, I'm trying trying to be a little more aware. That's all. You know, when you say guys, it's the crew. It's inclusive. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder. That's how I understand it. Like, I start all my emails with like, "Hey guys," or like, "You guys." We've been told that that's like offensive. I know, but we've also been told chicks is offensive and everything's. Look at me, then. You've been offending. You're offending a lot of people. So just be careful. I just want you to be careful out there. I think (laughs) (laughs) I want you to be careful out there. (laughs) I think that there's something to be said for not being included. Because if you're just, like, getting your butthole fluffed from the time you enter till the time you leave, you're not even going to realize, like, you're not, first of all, you're not going to learn how to fight to get somewhere. And, like, maybe some people will say people shouldn't learn how to fight. But, like, if, I don't think that being welcomed from the start helped me get better at snowboarding. I think the opposite is true. And it's hard to see it in the moment where you're, like, oh, this, this sucks, or I'm not included, or I don't see myself there. It's like something to fight for. Uh, Spite boarding. I want to I want to get your take on something because I, I, and this maybe, you know, comes from a place of uh, privilege, I guess you could say, which is, uh, you know, for 
whatever you can, I understand why I'm the devil in a lot of senses, but because of, or not, that's a, let me retract that. I, I'm not, I understand that like I, you know, if we're on this privilege talk and stuff, we're white males. We don't have a, we don't have a place to, to, we don't have a leg to stand on in a lot of these conversations, right? Because we don't, we don't know. There's not a lot for us to complain about in some senses. How, however, in some senses, my, my thing in a lot of, like the way I frame a lot of things, not in regards to like gender, but in regards to what happens in life. And these are two separate conversations as I'm thinking about it, but like life just isn't fair sometimes. Like things happen in life and life I've always viewed like life's not fair. Yeah, that happened. Life's not fair. Like, it's just not like I've lost a close friend and that's not like in my mind, it's like, that's not fair. There's not, there's no fairness. Well, that's just, when you really it, find it, out that life's th- not th- fair. Things, things happen. Things happen in life. And like, I guess there's like this and, and maybe I guess it's ignorant when I compare it to, to like, you shouldn't have gender and things that are like workplace equality that doesn't really that that sentence shouldn't just be like well life's not fair but like in in a lot of sentences like in like in a lot of instances in life like it's just like if you're born in fucking like mexico in a slum and you're born in beverly hills like it's life's not fair there's two different things you know i i I don't know if i'm wording that but do you have anything to add to that sentence or do you feel any sentiment around that um i think that if you think life is supposed to be fair then you're going to be disappointed over and over again and like bombed and just live your life feeling like you're getting fucked over. Um, I think that actually getting fucked over when you're younger is, and I, it took me a while to realize this. Um, a lot of people aren't equipped to deal with hardship. And so then when it finally happens, it like fucks you up. And I think that the earlier you realize that like part of life is shitty stuff. For sure. It's not just like, oh, this thing happened to me. You know, I'm a victim. <sighs> there's, not that it's a contest, but there's bigger victims. There's bigger shit going on in the world. Like, yesterday I was in the airport, and, like, a, a guy was in the wheelchair ready to get pushed away. And, of course, the resources are, like, low right now. Like, whatever, they're getting back into the swing of things. And he's like, this is not how you treat a first-class customer. Like, he's just yelling, in, sitting in his wheelchair waiting <sighs> to be pushed because there's other people in front of him to be pushed. And, like, it was just, like, I was, like, I wanted to be, like, yo, dude, shut the fuck up. And same with, like, this other guy on the plane who's, like, fucking Mexicans, like, do, putting me through security twice. Like, what is this shit? Like, it's entitled. Com- They're just verbally spraying this stuff? Yeah, and I was, but it was, like, it was, like, I mean, I don't know, it's supposed to be some fucking lesson for me, but I also wanted to be, like, shut, you shut the fuck up. Dude, like, that's not inconvenience, you know? But then I was, like, okay, going back to, like, the right way of thinking for me is like these people are living their lives super upset all the time, feeling fucked over all the time, feeling like a victim all the time. And so I think there's something to be said for like the perspective that can be gained from, I don't even remember what the original question was. Well, yeah, it's really all your perspective, right? Of how you're going to approach your perspective of things being fair is what we were talking about. Things being fair. Yeah. Life's not fair. Well, also another, another value. What is fair too? Yeah. I mean, fair, what, is, what is, fair is around an expectation. You expect yeah. things to be a certain way, and they're not that way. That that's what dictates fair. I think it's built around expectation. <laughs> but going back uh, to kind of what we were saying earlier, you know, I think as humans, our fucking brains, male, female, trans, whatever thing you identify or don't identify as, 
our fucking brains as humans are set up to look for problems. You're just like all day. Like what, what, what are the problems? I find myself looking for problems all day long. What is this? Like, and we have to fucking work hard to not sabotage our crazy rat trap to focus on the problems in our life. I think every human, whether you're a millionaire in Beverly Hills or you're the poorest person in the country, no matter what, our brains are wired the same to look for problems. So whether or not we are, you know, some problems are bigger than others, although it's all, it's all circumstantial, we all have problems. And so we all are dealing with the same thing. And then to, so to devalidate other people's problems, oh, your problems aren't like my problems. You don't know my problems, this and that. Like we all go through it. You know, we all have problems. So I think it's like, it's kind of in some senses, sure, we don't know how to relate to certain circumstances, but like, you know, like to think, I think as humans, we, we all deal with that. Do you have Totally. Any? I mean, I think that when you're saying that, I was like, oh, that would make sense from a, what's that word for, uh, from an evolutionary perspective that we would be looking for problems because we're looking for like um, things that are unsafe that could threaten our safety. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm talking like when you're out, however long ago, like yeah. out in the bush looking for like a cougar that's going to come get you. And that's just like stuck in us to look for problems. That's our, but I think that to try to like, remember, like I'm pretty safe, you know, I'm pretty mm -hmm. safe. My actual life isn't threatened by this thing and um, probably be happier. I mean, I haven't cracked the code. No. to happiness or whatever but i think it's a daily fight for everybody to like and and uh it, like it's there's uh, some people are wake up and it's it's easier i think than others and it, it all depends but like i think there's we have to like all work pretty hard for our sanity i think in general like find those things like snowboarding surfing biking reading whatever that is like you kind of have to fight to like keep your brain from trying to self-sabotage. I think most humans I've talked to and met in my life suffer from a similar thing. And and going back, I think it could be a good place to pivot into uh, your project, uh, Learning to Drown, I believe is the title. And it's fucking, for you guys listening, uh, Jess has a short film that is unbelievable. It is like a bell curve of emotions where you, I was bawling my eyes out. I was inspired. And by the end, I was so fucking motivated like, it was just, it was fucking so powerful. I really believe that this thing is going to be bigger than snowboarding. I think it's just going to be like a mainstream documentary that everybody can love, everybody can appreciate. The story's unreal. And and in that, um, you know, you equate, we can talk about it some more, but one thing in particular that pertains to what we're talking about, you talked about how, um, I think it was like emotions were like a wave. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, because I had never spent any time in the ocean. I was scared to death of water. And then something really significant happened in my life. My partner passed away. And I was just so fucked. And I felt like I was literally, I like it sounds cliche, especially with the title now, but like I felt like I was drowning. I felt like I couldn't breathe. And I just wanted to like rip my skin off and run screaming, um, which I kind of did end up running screaming down to Mexico. Um, his mom lived down there and that was something that we had talked about doing and I got in the water because I was I hit a point where I was like fuck it I don't care if I die I don't care I'm not scared of anything anymore because like the worst thing that could have happened has already happened and so I like threw myself into trying to learn how to surf and I never knew like what it was like to get pinned down what it was like to not be able to breathe and all that stuff. And I, and I just like found so many analogies while I was out there just getting my shit kicked 
that I realized that like I was, I was I used to be scared to put my head under the water. That was the biggest thing. Even in a bathtub, like I would lay back and like put my head in and be like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ah, and then jump up. But I realized by like trying to keep my head on the surface all the time, I was just like choking in the foam and and like too caught in between being able to breathe and being not able to breathe. And once I just accepted that I could dive down and hold my breath and just accept that like I'm not going to be able to breathe for this next part, it is going to pass. There's no, like there's, in physics, yeah, maybe another one is going to smash you, but that one is going to pass. Um, and that was like a huge kind of, I don't know, I came to all these crazy realizations there that, you know, I I think I took for granted at the time because I was like, the only thing I wanted was for him to come back. But guess I have to just like dive down and accept that like, he's not going to be here right now. And this life will pass and I think I'll see him again. I can only imagine how difficult the acceptance struggle well i mean i'm pretty sure you can't imagine what i'm pretty sure you can't imagine yeah it's hard it's hard has he come back to you in your dreams at all so for the first year he didn't at all maybe i just had nightmares every night every fucking night it was terrible like he'd be there but he'd do something like i'd be like oh my god i thought you were dead and he's like no 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 like i i and then he would like, I'm here, and then he would do something so stupid and end up going to jail for the rest of his life. So it's like he was there, but I wasn't able oh, to be God. with him. Or he'd come back, and he'd, like, not want to hang out with me. He wanted to hang out with – and I know that sounds funny that those are nightmares, but it was like – or he had faked his own death. Like, for a lot of the period, I, like, thought in my head, like, maybe he has because I couldn't, like – I was on a lot of drugs too, but, like, I couldn't differentiate between those dreams and reality because I just felt like I was living in a nightmare anyways. So, and then people would be like, oh, like to try to make me feel better. Oh, I dreamt about Mark last night. You know, he came to me, this and that. And I'm just like, fuck you. Like, and I was like, bitch, where are you? Like, why are you coming to these people you don't even know? Like, but I think that a lot of it was, he knew that you can't, you're just going to be in limbo if you, you're going to keep someone in limbo. And I did hang on to, like, going to the psychics and all this stuff. Like, again, like, wow, as I'm saying this, I'm realizing, like, it's just, like, trying to breathe in the whitewash where it's like, dude, just go down. Just fucking give up. And I think he just knew that it was, like, it wasn't going to help, even though I, that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. But if I would have gotten a piece of that, then I would have just hung on to that. And I remember him. And, I mean, for the people out there who don't believe in this, I don't give a shit. Fuck you. I believe in it. That's why I, I asked. Me too. Yeah. He, he, was there in the first, like not in my dreams, but like I could feel him and I would be having conversations with him like right after it happened. And one day I was just like, fuck you, fuck off. If you can't be here for real, like go away, fuck you. See ya. Like I couldn't take it anymore and he left. And then I was like, oh, just joking. <laughs> Come back. You actually felt oh. him leave. That's... I just, he didn't come, before he was, like, with me the almost all the time, like, I could feel him behind me, like, mm-hmm. but, I mean, I think that's what I needed, even though I was, like, really pissed at him, and then once I actually, like, did some more work on, like, processing it and stuff, like, he w- has come into my dreams, and there has been times where, there was a couple times, 
not in a dream, but I would wake up as I was waking up, I'd hear his voice like so loud. It would wake me up. And I remember him saying like, I'm always with you, Jess. It was like clear as fucking day. And I like shot out. I was sleeping in the back of my car, just passed out on a fucking bender at hood, I think. But I was like that, like where, fuck. But those things just let you keep you hanging on to something that you can't have. I don't even remember what the question was. No, Again. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what <laughs> yeah. the question was. I, uh, you know, fuck this whole thing. Like, <clears throat> there's so many powerful words. And, and I, I, you know, how do you learn to live with somebody you can't live without? I always, that hit so hard. And, and I, you know, there's obviously like so much intense, intense trauma and suffering and, and, um, you know, things, things of that nature. And, and going back, um, you know, I think that I wanted to just touch back on that wave analogy because I feel as though, you know, anybody that has struggled with depression or is in a, is in a dark time in their life, like you feel a wave of depression come over and you hold on. So like, you're like, no, 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 no. I'm losing my, I'm losing my fucking happiness. Oh no. Like, and you hold on so tight for your, for your depression or when you're happy, you're like, no, 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 it's, I'm getting sad. No, no, no. I can't let this go. And then, and so like the, the understanding of like this too shall pass, they say, but you explain it so eloquently with the, with the waves, you know, it's like, can you try to put that into words again? Exactly. I mean, I think anyone, I'm saying this, remembering what it was like being from Canada and having no idea what like a wave did, or I didn't know mm -hmm. there was different parts to it or whatever. Um, but I would encourage anyone who's able to, to ever go to the ocean if it's safe and there's like no rip currents, <laughs> mm -hmm. get in there and get tossed around a bit um, and try different things to get thrashed around less um, that might go against your intuition. But I mean, I, the wave thing is just, you have to, everything, nothing, like this is like a fact of physics, nothing lasts forever. So, and this is something like I, after Mark passed away, I hit up Rory Bushfield, who was Sarah Burke's husband. And I was like, how, what, like, how? And he's like, when my dog died, when I was little, my dad told me like nothing lasts forever, nothing good, nothing bad. My relationship with Sarah, your time here with Mark and the bad, the, but the thing is like, that goes all the way across the board for the bad things too. And you might not even like, I still have problems like telling myself, look, this isn't going to last like. But however brutal those, like, super shitty moments are where you're like, I don't even want to live, it is going to pass. It may not, like, completely go away, but it's. I think it's important to remember that it absolutely cannot, like, you can't defy physics. It's not going to last forever. And you just got to hold on and let it pass. And if you can, just, like, go down deep and just fucking hold Hold your breath if you have to, you know, it's going to pass. You know, it's a good thing. I remember going through hard times in my life and thinking a year from today, I'm going to feel completely different. Like if you can, if you can get yourself there and be like, this is horrible, but like have the bigger picture, like you said, this too shall pass. And same goes for the good times too. You yeah. Know? Um, like enjoy the, enjoy the fuck out of those. Cause those are going to, that's a really good, um, tip that I'm going to use because I still struggle with like these dips that are mm -hmm. bad. But when you said like, think of where you'll be in a year, I think I would more like think of where I was a year ago and mm -hmm. you will be like, where was I a year ago? What the fuck even? And so the fact that it was so insignificant 
now a year later that you don't even remember like maybe that will humble you and give you some perspective on like this moment is gonna pass and you probably won't even remember it Mm -hmm. oh man another another thing that just i wanted i was so fired up i love your your movie so much i was so fired up by the end i love that that bell curve of just of I've been saying bell curve a bunch today. Just a fucking random Pear, couple times. Shape? Yeah, I have no idea why. Like, <laughs> bell curve. I'm a, a bell curve guy. I guess we're going to beat that to death today. No, but um, like, you know, you said something along the lines of, like, you know, we've said on the show too, something along the lines of you, you basically got to do it for the people that can't, you know. I know if Mark was here, he'd be balls, balls out, hair, hair back. And like, I listen, I heard that and I'm like, I want to, I like my, my reaction was like, I want to get on my dirt bike and fucking jump the biggest double I can. Like, I want to go get I some. I want to jump on my dirt bike and rip my dick open. <laughs> yeah, almost. Almost he rip almost my dick did. open. Yeah. I almost did do that recently. <laughs> but, um, no, it just like gave me this, like, like, I think that that message is so important because it's like our time is precious. We got to get after it while we're here. If that's what you want to do, if that's what you, you aspire to do. You know, if you aspire to chill, do that too. But if you want to get after it, fucking get after it while we're here. Yeah, so, go do all the things that you want to do now. Why not now? Mm-hmm. And that's why I went to Mexico. Like, I didn't really want to go. I just wanted to stay home in a dark room and sleep, you know. But I was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I can sleep on the beach down there. Mm-hmm. So. And now that now your story, now, like, not to say your story, but you like every, the whole, the amount of, it's it's easy to crawl into a hole in those situations and just be depressed. You have to fight. You have to fight for your happiness and your I don't want to say freedom, but your your willingness to to live and and so now it's like you've been you've inspired so many women through just your snowboarding and and everything else and then overcoming this it's like, you know, that there's so much fucking goddamn inspiration there, Jess. It's huge. Well, I want to you know? say that there's no overcoming this because when you expect that and that's still something I'm struggling with I was like oh, I thought I was good because like this thing this this premiere thing like the the movie isn't out to the public yet but it did premiere for the first time at Tribeca like last month and I was like oh no I'm gonna have to live through I didn't hadn't watched it very much because it was like traumatizing not just like the mark thing but watching all the bales and being like damn I did that to myself mm-hmm. I, it, it made me bummed on myself. I was like, oh, dude, I thought you were, like, over this. You know, you quit the drugs. You quit the running. You quit the all the bad shit that I was doing to cover it up. But it's still not fixed. And it probably will never be. And I think, like, being able to accept that is something I need to work on next. And, like, another thing I was thinking about what you just said that when you said, like, the fight. You, There are times in life where you should fight. I think that there was a lot of times in my life where I didn't have to fight, but I just thought I did. Mm. Um, and something that I always say to people, a lot of people hit me up and be like, oh, I've lost this person in my life that's really important to me. Like, like same way I hit up Rory. And I always say, you know, you don't have to do anything. There's no fucking fix for it. Just mm-hmm. keep existing. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Keep existing. And it will get softer. It's not going to get like, fucking rad (laughs) you're never gonna be like woo but all you have to like you don't have to do anything just fucking stay here because that was the hard i think that's the hard part for anyone who loses someone like being left behind is fucked 
the people left behind are the ones that suffer. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. You never, you never get past it. You just learn how to live with it. Yeah. I had a trauma like 15 years ago and I still have moments that you, you look, reflect on it and you're still sad as hell. It's just a matter of learning how to live with it and move on and get past the really dark moments like you're saying. And I guess accept the, the dark moments that come back on you. I don't know. I'm still trying. Like, I'm still working on it. That's one thing with the film. It's, like, got this, like, happy. It's got this happy vibe to it at at points, you know, that I just want to make sure that people know, like, don't beat yourself up if you're still struggling, even after, like, because I'm doing it. Last week I was doing it. (laughs) And being like, how am I going to? let people see this and have them think like, oh, I fucking, I won the battle, whatever, and I have it. Like, I feel, but I got to take my own advice. And you know what's funny is I, when I first watched it, I was fucking destroyed for like a month um, because I didn't expect any of that. The guy that, Ben Knight, who edited it, is is a fucking genius and is... That's powerful. Dude, he made the bell curve. I didn't make no bell curve. But I forget what I was just saying. I was just thinking about... Watching it, it made you... you oh, yeah, okay. So I was, like, having a really low point, which is, like, so frustrating for me because I've tried to do everything I can to deal with the depression. and Not just depression from work, depression from hitting my head, depression from so many things. And... I I had to watch it because I had to, like, Ben hit me up and was like, yo, anything else you want to change, you got to tell me because we're submitting it, like, tomorrow. And so I left it to, like, or, like, at the end of the week, I left it to the very last day, and I was like, fuck, I do not want to watch this right now. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to look at this. And then I watched it and came out of it and was, like, so, (laughs) so inspired. I was, like, I cried the whole time. It was just, like, well, I mean, obviously that's not a unique occurrence, but... um, (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, like, there's hope. I can do this. Like, I just have to fucking, I can do this. Like, this is who you are. Like, this is not who you are. Or, no, this is who you are. (laughs) All fucked up and unable to cope. But I came out of it, this sounds so cocky, but, like, I came out of it feeling so much better and being, like, like, it inspired me because you have to understand that yourself in different points of your life could totally inspire yourself Mm -hmm. in low points of your life. And I was, it's a really rare thing to be able to, like, see everything lined up on film, you know? But um, I really came out of it because I was having some fucked up thoughts that week and, like, yeah, it was crazy. I was, after I was, like, I called Ben, I'm like, dude, I, I know this sounds stupid, but, like, I just got so inspired and I thought I feel hope now for mm-hmm. the first time in a long time. But it was like me. So mm-hmm. like I just want to say like anyone out there, I'm not unique. If I lined up all of the shitty things that happened in either of your guys' lives or anyone out there down to like the fucked up shit that happened to us when we were kids and all that stuff and put it in a film, it's going to be moving. And you're going to look back at that and be like, wow, that's what I went through. That's And it's so easy to forget all that stuff, especially traumatizing stuff because you just stuff it away. So, I don't know. Take a lesson from that. That's uh, there's so much amazing things there, and and I think that uh, when I hear you say, you know, like I love that point. That's like you never 
get there. You're never just like, I made it. I'm good. Right. And, and that's, that goes for anything. I think as well as like, you know, you have people that are trying to seek inner contentment. Uh, you know, people just want to learn how to live. I think that's why people listen to some podcasts. They want to maybe learn how to live a little bit better. They want to learn how to take a piece of this and apply it to their life. And one thing I like that I found in, in my journey of knowing nothing fucking, but trying to figure it out is like, at first I thought you get there. If I just like read enough and maybe I like work out and I can kind of like find this balance, maybe like, and, and I work on myself, I'm just going to like get there. But you, you never, you never get there. You take the good with the bad and you just try to can incrementally get better and do little things here, there, but you never, you never, there's, it's like a false dream to sell. Like I made it, I'm good. I made it out. You know, you don't, it's a false dream. Cause you, you just try to get, figure out how to live better every, every day. And incrementally, maybe yesterday th- wasn't as bad as two months ago or whatever, you know, but that's such a, a, an important thing. And another thing I was on the regards to loss and things of that nature, you know, lost a really, really close friend and, and we have, it's, it's not nowhere. It's I'm not trying to compare in any way. This has nothing, but one thing I've noticed is that like everybody's healing process looks different. Everybody is at different stages with grief and pain and, and deals with it in different ways. And that's the main thing is that's okay. That's totally okay. It's okay for one person to be processing it in this way. And then the other person it's so, so I think everybody's healing process looks different and we forget, I don't know. Like I, when you look at our friend group, I see that, you know, and it's oh, just yeah. interesting. I saw that too. Some people <laughs> use it to move forward. Some people go fucking down mm-hmm. in flames and some people are in between and some people want to blame you. Some people want to hear you stop talking about it. Even like the other day before I was like, someone was like, are you nervous about going to do the podcast? Cause I was like, oh, I don't want to think about all this shit again, you know, still how the fuck, but still. And they were like, Oh yeah, well you can just think about, think about how great things are going right now though for you. That's what they said. And I was like, I was like, okay, I get it. You don't want to hear about this anymore. Mm. You know, that's fine. I don't get to turn it off, but I mean, wow, that sounded really cunty. That's um, true, though. I mean, you can't turn it off. Yeah, and I, I get it, too. Like, sometimes you just don't. You're dealing with so much of your own stuff, and especially these days, people are dealing with so much stuff that you can't see, um, that they just can't take on something else. And I got to respect that, too, you know? Mm-hmm. I lost my sister eight months ago to cancer, and it's almost like it's not real because of COVID. There was no funeral. And so I haven't even begun to unpack that, you know, and it's just... You, you just do it in your own. Dude, that's gnarly. Yeah, your own way, and people have their own process. And But, yeah, and COVID just made it seem like it's not real to me, basically. There was no flying home and mm-hmm. meeting with the family. And, yeah, so one day I'm sure I'm going to all of a sudden get hit like a ton of bricks. and comes out in strange ways. Yeah, it comes out in strange ways in your own time, and that's the young kids that come on this podcast, they haven't lived yet. They don't They don't know how life can really kick you and. They'll get there. They're though. worried about like yeah. the fit of your. They're worried pants. about what their front board looks like. Yeah, but there's so Shit's, much more. Shit, I'm still worried about that. Though. <laughs> I'm so worried. I stopped doing that. You were talking about how you don't like to hear people in a better place, and I liked what you said about you know if someone was sick, it's one thing. Um, with J two, 
I keep always keep his photo over here. In his last moments, I witnessed that look into that better place and him making that journey. And I'm not a religious person. Walked out of there, changed. And now I do firmly believe there's like something going on. There has to be. So when I hear like he's in a better place or she's in a better place for my sister, I take, you know, I, I, I like that. It makes me feel good and also makes me know, man, I'll probably, like, I think you're going to see him again, you know? Like, I have 100% faith you're yeah. going to see oh, him again. Oh, I know I'm going to see him again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't mean to, like, I think that there are lots of situations where that could be comforting to hear, like, oh, they're in a better place. When you're watching two is, like, so sick. Yeah, yeah someone is suffering and, or just, like, cannot figure it out on this earth. And, I mean, there was. His is too soon and the better place is with you. Yeah, but I mean, I know that there's a a better. Okay, man, I gotta fucking tell you guys this story. I had he dropped me off at the airport, and I flew to Vancouver to pick up my truck because I had to go down to Seattle and shoot this intro thing with with Dangler. Um, on the way back, I like fell asleep in my truck at a rest stop. Like I just felt like so tired. I couldn't. I was falling asleep while I was driving. It was really weird. Middle of the day. And I fell asleep in my truck and slept for like I don't know thirty hours or something. Weird. Middle of the day till the yeah. night till the next day. Yeah, and I my phone kept ringing and I was looking at the number, being like, "This is a I don't know what number this is. It's some weird I don't know. Probably like the medical services plan, being like you're overdue on your payment." Kept ringing, kept ringing, kept ringing. I kept ignoring it, and finally I answered it, and it was his brother, and he told me, "Just sweetie, Mark's dead." That's what he said, and I was like. So I was like by myself and I was like, holy fuck, what the fuck? I got to get, I got to get to Revy right now and started driving and my phone started going off. Like it wasn't just like ding, a text. It was like ding, ding, and I was like, what the fuck? And I look at it and it was a text from him that was this picture of our canoe with like this sun burst. And it was just like the canoe sitting in like a patch of reeds. It was so beautiful but I got that text and I was like what the fuck I kept calling his phone being like dude your brother like leaving voicemails and then weeks later I still would randomly get that text it would just like ding it was so and like I told I told the guys that like that was making the film and we we decided like not to put that part in not that it matters but it's more just like holy shit holy shit like this and it wasn't, it was like my phone was glitching. Um, it was crazy, but that's what I mean. Like, that kept me hanging on. And Yeah, I don't think that was a glitch. Yeah. I mean, you needed that. And there it was. Yeah. That's incredible. Fuck on. Yeah, unreal. Holy shit. Unreal. Yeah. and, and I know. still have the picture. I'll send it to you. Yeah. And it sounds like it was like a cool picture of a surreal moment. And well, it's like just the boat. I don't know. Like you know, I talked to a lot of psychics. Meant, meant Can I cross? Something. Oh. Can I cross? Oh, is that, that's what the psychic said? I mean, that's what that a lot of people sense. have said. Yeah, you cross the river it's of sticks or whatever. and Like the boat's there and the paddle's in it and it's just like ready to launch. Just empty. And are you ready for me to launch or something? Yeah. I'm just like get a lot of air if you do launch, dude. <laughs> don't fucking hit the knuckle <laughs> don't hit the knuckle yeah make sure you give her enough juice yeah a uh, little bit of a different topic but on your watching your movie you nailed me this opening line almost i have that full aquaphobia oh yeah 
and I told Chris about this on one of the podcasts we were talking about. My fear is like something's going to eat me. I can be in a swimming pool. I can be in a pond. And I be was honest. Like, can you be on the toilet and think something's going to reach well, out? I actually researched this a little last night. And so what I have is aquaphobia. And it sounds like you have a bit of what's called a, a blutophobia, which is like even fear of when it's in the tub and bathing. Some people yeah. go as far as they won't even take baths, basically. And you have to like work your way up with a couple inches of water. There's like all this thing to it. But yeah, when you started talking about that, like when I was young, swimming pool, like if no one else is in there, I'm oh, panicked. Like could not dude, be in there. Not possible. I actually read that in 1975, Jaws came out and tons of people got affected. No way. With aquaphobia, like all at once, basically, because they created this deep, deep fear. And you watched it? Uh, yeah, I mean, Jaws was... I guess when everyone I was, watched it. Yeah, when I was young, I mean, I was like really young when I watched it. I'm sure you guys were older You're when you watched it. So I was like traumatized, basically. Yeah. And also when my dad taught me to swim, nice guy that he was, his move was like basically throw the kid off the boat, sink or swim. And that's another like trauma right there because you're basically either you drown or you swim. Mm -hmm. And you and, think you're dying. Yeah, and you think you're dying, basically. Not a good technique. Yeah, and that's how my dad taught us all to swim, basically throw us off a boat. <laughs> Yeah, I don't make it. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so yeah, right from the beginning of your movie, I was just like, wow. Any leads on the your reasoning where it came from? Yeah, do you have any water drama? No, because I fucking swam before I could walk. We had a pool when I was a kid. I don't know what happened. Again, I'm not gonna Some people can't this, be splashed. I've been told by someone came up to me that said they were a psychic and I this was like not I didn't it was unprompted that that I had drowned in a lot of like that was a pattern for me. That I had drowned a lot. Oh, in past lives. In a past, in past life. lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I don't know, dude. That still doesn't make me be able to swim, you know? It was, like, embarrassing. Like, I wouldn't want to go to any pool party. Or like... <laughs> I believe that, though. The past life could have something mm -hmm. to it. 100%. Yeah. My mom was told in the past life she starved to death, and she always squirreled food away. No way. I Yeah. Like, I'd... cupboards of, like, there was always be a closet, like, stuffed with food. Totally. And as an e Egyptian or something, she, like, was sealed in with a pharaoh or some shit. No way. Is what the psychic told her. And that she always had a fear of uh, of of not having food, basically, and starving. It's food wild. insecurity. Yeah. Pretty wild. Interesting. Leah has a crazy one where I don't remember all the details, but I remember the psychic was telling her what happened to her in a past life, and she was bawling because of, of some gnarly thing. But, yeah, I mean... I love that thing about the phone, though. That's amazing. Those are those little things that really just, yeah, help you to hold the on. The canoe picture? Yeah, oh, the yeah. Canoe. yeah. And the, and the video message. And it's crazy to think you slept for 30 hours, too. Yeah, I was in, like, dreamless sleep. Like something was happening almost, yeah. and your body knew it, but you just hadn't got the information yet. It was like a truck stop in Tukwila or something. Yeah, to like, lift. That was it. I fucking could not drive past there for so long. I still hate driving past there. Brings back the memory. Wild. Uh, maybe we could dive into uh, some hot takes. Hot takes. Okay, so we kind of just, I don't want to say rapid fire, but we're going to run through a couple quick, lighthearted topics. Uh, MJ, Michael Jordan, and or slash goat of snowboarding men's and women's who you got? The MJ. Well, I watched that documentary, so I like someone... I asked someone the other day, what do you think? And they said someone, and I was like, dude, no, that's not what. Michael Jordan wanted to be there, wanted to be the best, kept going whenever, <laughs> when other people didn't. Uh, J.P. Walker. 
That's his. What are you guys, the same age or something? Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. You, you guys come from the same uh, yeah. the same time. Okay, what about... Uh, JP's email, you got to... Well, the female thing is hard because a lot of them got kind of encouraged out or pushed pushed out before they could, like, stay forever, you know? Um, but there's, like, Jana and Tara. But then, like, my just lifetime hero, Mofo, I mean, she gave me i feel like she gave me all of this makes sense yeah even though she like doesn't give a fuck and after i remember being like oh i missed it by just a few years like if i could just go on one rail trip with her but she was like i'm out she knows what she can do she can do anything that she wants to do and for that reason she's out it, <laughs> she doesn't need to try i gotta like, find out i'm good i did that shit i'm on yeah. some other shit um so if you could see one band that are alive which band would it be I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna say something like kind of that people I know. There's like memes about how bad this band is, but it would be Sublime probably. Oh, I back because, that. <laughs> but I back that it. was before I found out like Secret Peaker Pad was about smoking meth and all that. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, that. yeah. And then before I also like went to California and saw that exact type of long shorts and flame shirts and was like, oh, They're that's all, a different scene than heads. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it was like, it was like. You know, my friends getting their licenses and us like pounding that shit, driving to the hill and and hiking the pipe. You know, so yeah, probably sublime. Good answer. Uh, what do you think about the beaver slap in the lift line? Thoughts? Like where you take your board and you slap off that snow. Oh, I know. So some yeah. people don't like that, right? Um, Lifties don't like it because you ruin they, their little snow yeah, they thing. Get, they always are. Uh, but yeah. what if you're packing it in? If they built it properly, it shouldn't. That's what Ben would True. say. If they built it properly, it <laughs> should move. Little Ben Belock yeah. answer. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't. If someone's doing it, I, I don't think I've ever been like, "God, stop beaver slapping." I'm probably just like, "God, get on the chair already, so we can do another lap." Okay, who's your favorite current boarder on the scene? I don't know. I want to say Jill Perkins because, like, watching her is like, yes, that. Like, I, there was a long time where I felt like I had gotten to a point where, like, I wanted to see someone come and blow my fucking ass out of the water, and she has absolutely. So, and just she's just just yeah. You know, it's funny. The Jill's podcast was what I haven't snowboarded in. Uh, very much in the past couple of years because I've had these like either was working on projects that were all about other people or I've had these like insane injuries that just won't quit. I listened to her podcast like before the season started or maybe around that time and I like I rode more this year than in the past three years combined because I forgot I forgot what it was like she doing the little like curb what's that like snowboard addiction, jumping around the on the snowboard thing. addiction oh, yeah. like yeah no shame i would fucking like the, i was doing that i would draw lines on the snow before they had that thing and like i just remembered like going to the ice rink like how was i good like i started thinking i'm not good at snowboarding because when i would go so infrequently it would just be to film and i'd be like oh my god i feel so uncomfortable on my feet and i remembered like that's how i would go and do repetitions 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 and i was like that's how like i was always like how did fucking jill get so good like what is different with her? Because I'm also trying to like find the, the formula so that I can give the girls a hint to, as to like, how can they get to the next level? You know, I love to pick people's brains on stuff and listening to that episode, like fired me up and was like, I need to go snowboarding and not film. And of course, like we all say that every year, but never end up doing it. I mean, I never end up doing it. And so like, yeah, shout out Jill for 
bringing it back for me. I had so much fun this year mm-hmm. and filmed more than I, yeah. Just backcountry stuff, though. Okay, I, I, what's your take on uh, helmets? Oh, I mean, I think that for, for people to dictate if helmets, people should wear helmets or not is absolutely, like, hilarious to me coming from, hilariously, like, absurd coming from being, like, so damaged. Um, it's hitting my head is, like, come close. To, it, it, uh, for me, it, like, it's, like, mental health stuff that, like, makes it way, way, way worse, especially, like, after it happens. Even, like, not even hitting it that hard, not even hitting it, just, like, landing and whiplashing, you know. I think that for someone to speak on behalf of someone else and say, like, you shouldn't wear a helmet, helmets are whack, it's like, dude, yeah, go through what I've been through and tell me if it's whack. Go through what someone's been through where they, like, lose, they lose a person they love basically like because their whole personality is gone because they've hit their head so many times and like just that whole like shit about the CTE stuff I mean I haven't looked too far into it because I don't want to get paranoid but I know that you get these impulses to just want to die boom out of nowhere weird had a great day but today I just can't be alive anymore and like that's what we're talking about we're not talking about looking cool so but I mean that comes with perspective head smashes and and whatever so I think my perspective on helmets is like, and I mean, people used to tell me this and I was like, hell no, I'm not wearing one. But because someone told me like, oh, they won't run photos in mags and they won't put you in the videos if you're wearing a helmet. And that was like the old way. But I remember at one point me and Desiree were on a trip to Quebec with Carlino and we were like, fuck it, we're wearing helmets. And so we did. And I feel like for, there was like a period after that for girls that it was like cool to do it. And I was like, that's really, that's cool. You know? I still, like, honestly, I hate wearing a helmet. It's just another thing to put on. Um, but anyways, yeah, you open that wormhole. That's my perspective on helmets. No, I wear a, one. It's a great wormhole. So do I. I think it's great. Um, you know, people with uh, TBIs are 2.5 times more likely to end up in prison. Really? Than people without. Just like the impulsivity. Yeah, you so lose. So 2.5x, so 200% is what you're saying when you say 2.5 times. Yep. Yeah, holy, 250% more. Because you lose that impulse control, and you, where one person might be, okay, I'm not going to snap, where the head injury person might snap and hurt somebody, and boom, they're in prison. Dude, I've I've experienced some of those things. Very um, impulsive and quickly irritated and things of that nature, 100%. Yeah, no, that's a great topic, and uh, and also... I mean, we don't have to go down too too deep, but uh, like the more you hit it, the easier it is to get one. That's the thing too. Sometimes yeah. people don't realize. Um, okay, I love that. So one thing you kind of touched on, and and maybe you answered this, but like it, <clears throat> we can skip over this if 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 we answered this. So you kind of discussed that that you went away from snowboarding and you came back, and you know what would you say like the what made you fall back in love with snowboarding it seems like it did you fall back in love with snowboarding a and and b what it what made you do that yeah so a long for a long time snowboarding was associated with like suffering for me i i remember feeling like i was a kind of like a jock or kook or sellout or whatever because people would always be like talking about how much fun they were having and i was never having fun really like i felt like I couldn't afford to have fun. I didn't have time to have fun. I had like time to make up. Um, 
and I sorry what was your question again I, what made you fall back in love with snowboarding I think this year being able to be stuck at home because I've never spent a season at home for in 10 years or more and seeing what's like just out my back door and like feeling like a re more relaxed feeling getting to go sledding every day like I've always just wanted to go sledding I love it but I was always like feeling like I had to sneak out and do it so I think um riding powder and like finding out what riding I don't know I, I think like too when you get something taken away and then you get a taste of it back and you're like wow like I was so bummed on myself for not liking snowboarding I checked out completely I didn't want to fucking like when you're like name that video part I was like good luck in this one period of time I was out because I couldn't even look at it um and that sounds crazy but so I would just like mechanically go out like huck myself off some shit and film it and then that was it um what made me fall back in love with it I don't know I think like also helping the girls with the movie and like feeling seeing that fire and seeing how stoked they'd be if I could like have a session with them and like remembering what a session was like you know what I hear from you when you talk about like snowboarding wasn't fun because I couldn't afford it to be because like whatever the verbiage you use for that uh I I have so many I don't want to say so many. I have a few friends I can think of that are very, very high achieving in, in snowboarding world. And they are, they put so much pressure on themselves. And what I wonder, do you think the amount of pressure you put on yourself is kind of the result of that? Like how the expectation yeah, for you sure. have for yourself? For sure. For sure. Because it was all about the result and not the process. Um, I felt like I had to keep pushing and doing something crazier and all that. I mean, everyone feels that way, but me, because I felt like I had been given a special opportunity. Like I said, like there wasn't a lot of girls getting, I mean, there like girls that were on monster for on when they put together their street team or like, you know, I had been given something that I couldn't waste. And not only that, I felt like I needed to make sure everybody knew that I was bleeding for it every opportunity I had. So um, it was, yeah, the expectation of like the certain level of riding that I want to be doing and and earning what I had, making sure that I was, I could look back like on my deathbed and be like, I tried my hardest. Mm -hmm. That's a great perspective. I, a lot of times. But it's not healthy. No, it's not healthy at all. <laughs> but but those, those big contracts do come big expectations. Yeah. If you get signed to be the next big quarterback for a football team and you get a gigantic contract, the expectation is for you to win. And that I don't know if that's the best analogy for snowboarding, but it's this kind of the same way. If you get signed and you get a big contract, when the team signs you, there's an expectation for you to perform. Absolutely. So I think, you know, it's something to think about, you know, maybe put yourself in somebody else's shoes and, and whatnot in regards to that stuff. So crazy when I signed with North Face and I was like I'm gonna do the craziest shit ever and they were like you don't have to chill and I was like what like and then I realized kind of maybe no one ever really told me like I told me yeah I told me and there's a it's really hard like kind of transition to make after you've been pro for a long time to be like oh it's all of the things that I've done cumulatively make me who I am as like JP doesn't need to film another insane part you know but it's really hard to like tell yourself like you're good. Just do things in other ways. Like make the fucking sickest podcast in snowboarding. Make some fucking sick movie. Do 
do something else as well as like keep snowboarding, but you don't have to die for it. You're just wasting your cartilage. Well, yeah, you think of the consumer, right? They're not going to ever be able to do what you've done. So North Face just needs you to be you. And the more you speak and do cool things like like, uh, MoFo did for you, that's what makes a difference, you know? That's what creates lifelong customers for them is their representative went out and changed that person's life, you know? It's not as gnarly. You don't have to be as gnarly as people think, I guess. On the come up, you got to to be totally. to be noticed. Well, look at like I look at Chad Otterstrom. If I like, I will watch Chad Otterstrom do a McTwist on like a quarter pipe, and I'm just like, yes, yeah. Like that's it's, I don't it doesn't need to be high, it doesn't need to be big, it's, or like you know, or you know, JP does a cab two seventy on a rail. I'm like <laughs> that that gets me more psyched than a lot of the the stuff I see from people I haven't heard of and whatnot. For what I don't you know. When we were watching Danny Cass at Recharge. Oh God, get like back that, to back. That sevens. was it, right? Oh that was God. just like, woo. That's all I needed to see. Ben, not Ben Knight, Ben Bullock always is always trying to like put that in my head because he I like I hire him every year to to work with me because it, again I don't want to take the risk of working with someone who I, is gonna be a bitch ass. And uh he's always like don't like because I'm out like we'll build the jump and then I'll be like this is what I got to do and I have to land it or I fucking suck and he'll be like no like everyone can do this one trick but no no one can be you and do this one trick and we're talking like a method or like no one can poke an indie like you and I'm like is there really people out there who notice those like subtle nuances is there really people out there good but when you're what you're saying about Chad and Danny it's like everyone in the world can do those tricks right now but it's so special when you see them and then when you see them in real life, do it even, and you're like reliving your fucking childhood over. 100%. Yeah, that's exactly like, it. Big fan of motocross. They, Ricky Carmichael does a course preview on the track, and he's not going nearly as fast as the fast guys, but I'm just like, yes, like, let's go, you know? And uh, going back to what you said about the nuances of the indie, I love in your film, I can't remember which video part it's from, you do an indie, but it's kind of like a nose high indie where you poke it. It's not like down. It's like up and tweaked to the to the side. And it's I just remember thinking that like it, it is the subtle like I was like that was fucking incredible indie grab. You know, and um I used to try to want to have at least five different ways to do an, an indie. Mm-hmm. Sick. <laughs> that's sick. <laughs> yeah, that's a true the the subtleties of refining your craft is what that is right there, it seems like. But beautiful. So let's talk real quickly. I know you don't have your setups with you because you're coming from Mexico, but uh, for the people that are interested in what you ride, uh, what board, bindings, outerwear, all that stuff? Um, I ride the Capita Equalizer, which is my pro model board with Capita, and bindings. I ride Union bindings, but they're all... I When I get my bindings, I look at the ones that I think like look the sickest and, and or, like the color that I like, because they're all... I know that they're going to be good. I'm not just bullshitting that um they always like right out of the box i feel like they're great i just have to make them smaller because i got small feet outerwear i just well i would ride anyways but the north face free ride kit which i like riding their stuff and we did uh that's the thing that i was filming for this year this video in that and it was that i don't know if you saw my instagram but there's like that white white and black and yellow the patches yeah that kit is swag dad dude i was thinking your whole like that 
you're looking like a female version of MFM in that thing. It looks dope. I love that. Case. Thanks, dude. Yeah. I, I really want to, like, going back to the People's Champ stuff, like, a lot of that high-end outerwear, like, it's rad when you get it for free, but a lot of people can't afford that shit. So I love representing, like, the, like, I don't know. And I feel like the the lower-end stuff sometimes is, like, way more bomb-proof for someone who really, like, rips holes and shit. Um, thicker fabric, all that all that stuff. So, yeah, the North Face free ride kit. I'm not sure the exact model of the jacket, but, I mean, you're not going to miss it when you see it. It's the Stormtrooper. And then uh, what else is there? Yeah, go- I mean, let's run through everything. You got goggles. You got hats. Am I just naming a brand or am I? Well, you just, just naming all your – I guess what we like to – people oh, yeah. like to talk people about your board know. setups too. Yeah, okay, like, so Cole, so- Cole Headwear. Um, I ride boots who will give – people who will give me free boots i will wear those boots um goggles and helmets smith's been giving me some stuff for a couple years and what else is there i mean gloves north face perfect well going back to setups a lot of our listeners love knowing kind of how you set your board up angles if you do anything particular with your edges so set back dance with set it back so set back step back for rails set back for everything and the years that go on like i guess just keep going back and back i'm gonna be t-bolting my shit soon um, how far one back inch are we tail are we talking what do we <laughs> i mean on like a, like a <laughs> on like a directional twin board like maybe like okay for powder more than three inches sometimes than, yeah kind of max it out park probably two inches I like feeling when I'm riding into something switch that I'm actually riding fakey on a skateboard because I always sucked at skateboarding. But I want to feel that like closer to my tail so it like feels switch. I'm not trying to like mirror what I'm doing regular. Mm-hmm. Width is like, I don't know, maybe 22. Like I'm pretty short. Um, that feels good to me. And then I just, uh, really, I just move my bindings around standing on my board depending on how my knees are hurting that year. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. Good advice. Until that you don't feel any like twisting or pulling or whatever. So maybe like minus uh, f- plus 15 on the front minus pretty duck. Pretty duck. It's whatever the knees are allowing. Is that for the still season. a term duck? Oh, that's it's a, a term. That's yeah. a term. Duck okay. foot, yeah. Duck foot. Yeah. I'll tell you, sometimes I'm riding up the chairlift and I'll see a guy going down. That's like, it's like 20 negative 25 or like, it's like, and I'm just like, that guy's like, who knees. set you Jesus up Christ. and ruined your are experience? You, R.I.P. to your MCL. MCL, ACL, meniscus. Yeah. So, and then what about edges? You keep those doggers sharp or? I don't really do anything. Like if I'm, I mean, I don't do a ra- rail trips anymore. So if I was, then yeah, I'd take them right off, right out of the box. But I, otherwise I just leave them as they are. Need something to grip onto the ice. I'm and always like, yes, I'm glad I didn't take my edges off. Would you say... Let me just ask you, why do you prefer riding powder? Because it's new and fun for me, and it doesn't involve as much suffering. It doesn't feel like... Like, there was... I got to a point in the streets where I was like, I don't know what else to do. I feel like whatever I do, however crazy it was, however many days it took me to land it, it goes by in, like, a split second, and and I feel like people already have seen me do all this stuff that it has, like... the, The... crazier you get the less impact it has that's how it felt so landing and it's hard dude it's so hard it's so like people that's so cliche people say oh riding powder is hard but no it's it's really hard because you get so few tries when you're used to getting a hundred tries unlimited tries at something and you're like literally I have three yeah but and then also just like the feeling of like surfing I've I'm still such a beginner at and I like want to turn so bad and like 
flash and whatever, you know, it brought me back to like, oh my God, I can do that on my snowboard. I, for, I like totally took snowboarding for granted and what I'm able to do, like I may not be doing a back two sev on a kink rail or something, but I know how to turn. And this year I feel like I learned how to turn because I never, yeah. You look like you ripped at surfing to me. Oh, thanks. Just like uh, you accelerated quickly, it seemed like. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I feel like everything you do, you probably do it like that. I rode on my knees for a long time. <laughs> on the surfboard? Yeah, like by accident. Just feeling the wave pull you in, basically? Just like totally paralyzed with fear and uh, worried to let go of the board. When you're board. going too fast, I know what you're saying. Yeah. When you're like, yeah. No, no, oh, no, 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 I don't want to stand up. You oh, just God. let it take you in. Yeah. Like, if you don't, if you like don't get you on your feet quick enough, you're like, nope, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm stuck here. Yeah. This is, this it feels <laughs> like you know how to read the ocean and you were cutting down the line, right? And I don't know. I mean, sometimes things work out, but uh, like, I wasn't joking in the film when people were like, we didn't know if we should rescue you or if you. this is just how you go that like, really happened oh oh you're, yeah you were getting bodied yeah bodied, <laughs> dude straight up well in the earlier parts of the video yeah body but then towards the end it looked like you were crushing yeah i was trying to do some turns it sucks dude the and this was like a humbling thing for me for sure but the when the the, the guys came there down there to film for four days and i was just like everything that went wrong could go wrong like as far as this the swell goes we got there was like three hurricanes triangular like the middle of the triangle was us and, like, you think Hurricane Swallow, that's sweet when it's far away still and it's sending nice waves. But when it gets there, like, the, the whole ocean is, there's not a single wave that's in one piece. So we were trying to film with that, and the guys had never been there, hadn't filmed surfing, and they were kind of like, yeah, you mean we got enough of the struggle, like, we should probably get some of the good. Like, it was, <laughs> like, it was fucking humiliating because there was nothing to surf. and No glassy waves. It was rough. There wasn't even a wave that you could, like, go down the line until, like, almost until they left oh, so wow. so it was hard for me to like suck that bad to in my in my mind you know but that's part of it if i care about that then i'm straying away from the truth that surfing is for me and who gives a fuck what anyone else thinks right that's a good point so that that's, keeps me in check i have a thing where i realize I, I don't like being filmed when i ride my dirt bike because i and let me know you if start, this is the same oh, yeah this is the same phenomenon because in my head Mountain I am biking, Ricky fucking Carmichael, and I am shredding. And then I watch the clip. I'm like, God damn it, that's what I look like, dude. That was the <laughs> beginning of snowboarding for me too. You don't want to see yourself. <laughs> You're like, it You're feels like, so like much that. better than it looks. I was a god that. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Yeah, hundred percent. That's beautiful. One um, uh, back to uh, Ben Belock. How did this relationship start? Because I remember going out with you guys, and I was so stoked to see how it worked with him. Kind of like much more than just he was like a mentor on on top of everything and it was so cool to just watch the process happen and look like it really helped you as well yeah I mean he's been helping me for years we used to date back in the day and that was like I don't think that was a very good relationship we I was really like he was that was that was like when he was in videograss mm -hmm. um and that relationship did not turn out well and we didn't talk for many years but I really think that like when you talk about soulmates in life I think it also applies to friends and I feel like no matter what, we keep ending up back, like, riding together. And he just, he's so, he thinks stuff through so deeply, like, almost to the point of, like, being on the spectrum. And a lot of people don't like him because he says stuff. He doesn't have, like, that social temperature gauge so much. So he might say stuff that, like, bums people out. But for me, it's like, I want to talk to someone who's, like, picked apart everything. I remember last year when he was, like, 
if you're gonna you need to tell me before you go or whatever because I just freaked out and like dropped in on something and he like spazzed out at me I was like what do you care dude like it's my fucking if I don't get the shot I don't get the shot and he's like do you understand that I don't sleep at night because of this shit like I'm thinking of all the ways like how can I help you get the shot because this is what I hire him for Mm -hmm. he's my filmer but also like the guide and the coach Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, like, funny to – he's, like, invested mm-hmm. in it. And same with when he, – he's invested in anything that he does. And same with when he comes out with the girls to help with the uninvited. Like, it's the same thing. So, I mean, we have a really weird dynamic. I know it's fucking weird. I know it's weird. But now, like, he, he's been living in my house since – for a long time. Like, as roommates, I don't know if you can have, like, platonic life partners, but that's us for sure. That's so cool. He's a great cool. dude. I have to say, I always got along great with him. And Me too. He would, he would do that even for some people hated it. I liked it, but he would always have great little tidbits of advice. Like, remember hitting backcountry jumps with him, and he'd be like, you need to wait a second to grab. And I'm like, okay. And then, yeah, like, his delivery is yeah, rough. Yeah, like, but but you're like, no, but you, how it is. you do it, and it would work. Yeah. He's, he's definitely... If you watch his, his video parts, he's done a lot of incredible tricks and his landing average is high and he knows, okay, this is how fast this is how fast you go. You start from here and you're like, okay, perfect. And you hit the sweet spot. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing most of the time, but that's how it used to be. Buds, you got any more Patreons? Because I, I think we start kind of I wrapping do. things up a little bit. We're going to go with this. This is kind of an absurd question that uh, we got. Oh, I like this one. Yeah, so don't... Uh, don't point fingers at us for this ridiculousness of this question. I'm just asking it because it's ridiculous. It's from Ryan Paul. Okay. Is it true that you started snowboarding at age 30 and told potential sponsors that you were much younger? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is what, when I when I lost track on a question a while ago, um, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, yeah, Ben told me I need to bring this up. Um. So, yeah, I know people, I did lie about my age. Oh, you, you, oh, you did do this. I okay. didn't start at 30. Yeah, 30, though. right? <laughs> I thought it was 13, 14. And, I mean, people can laugh at that for sure, but there was, like, no, I thought I was going to have my, like, one chance, and then I'm out, and people were like, there's no way you will get anywhere if people know how old you are. I was 23. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I was 23 for a couple of years there. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I literally thought it was that or... I'm not going to get a chance. There was already so many other reasons why I wasn't going to get a chance. Um, so, yeah, I think I was 23 for, like, three years or something. And then I remember, like, going to lunch with Evan and his girl. And I was like, Evan, I have something to tell you. I'm not 23 or something. And he was like, so? But I was thought in my mind, like, he was going to cut me. I think it's smart. I saw Chris Bradshaw do this long time ago, and he started early. Like, oh, he, no way. he planned to have a long career. So very early in his career, he said he was younger than he really was. And then he was riding for Tech. he grew into it. Yeah, and he grew into it. And then he's riding for Tech 9, and we eventually got his uh, his ID to book him a ticket. And it was like five, six years old. No off. way. Yeah. And because remember, he was like in a Mac Dog movie way, way, way down the line. So he like just started early and planned to add. But imagine so I, if someone would have not given him the opportunity because they were like, oh, this guy isn't worth investing Yeah, like, in. we can't give this guy a three-year contract. He's already this old. Yeah, totally. So I think it's any pro. Why not? start yeah. Do it early so people don't know. I mean, also, or <laughs> just be who you are. And, I mean, it's easier to say that now because now it's it, – I think it is much easier to be who you are. But the people I don't realize and, like, I, that – Girls peak at, like, a, a later age. There's, like, a lot of girls in their 40s who are still really good. And um, it's, like, almost like you need more time to get over all that shit in your head and be like, no, 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 I, I'm good and I can do this. Like, look at Maria Thompson. 
I don't know anyone who's signed a Burton Global, their first Burton Global contract over 30, you know? Yeah. And there's no reason why they shouldn't. And yeah, I just think, I mean, it's easy to say, like, don't judge people and whatever. But yeah, that's that's what I did. No, I didn't start when I was 30. I started when I was 14 and I filmed that Think Tank part when I was 24 and got my first contract when I was 25. That's a big break in between from when you started, I guess, huh? Oh, God, dude. Don't, we're not going to... Let me sum this up real quick. <laughs> um, I lost a good couple of years in there. I got this shitty doctor, got into some stuff, and um, ended up having like a pretty bad mental health crisis where they misdiagnosed me with schizophrenia, put me in a program that I like had basically no freedom and was like tranquilized on antipsychotics, all this shit. And like my life went from like being about snowboarding to just having someone like come to my door and watch to make sure I took my medication and being in this fucking group of where I wasn't allowed to use the cheese grater at taco night because it was all like, it was, it was nuts. It was a couple years of my life. Those years that I thought that were the ch- my chance to make it. It was between like, I guess, 19 to 22. Um, and the doctor was like, don't even think about the snowboarding thing. Like, you're not even going to go back to that. Just try to get off disability and like take your medication and live a life. So when I moved to Whistler and I finally got away from that, like I had kind of escaped from that program. I totally escaped from that. You're like trapped, huh? Yeah. And got myself off a lot of the medication still on some of it to this day because the withdrawal is just so fucking gnarly. And because yeah, I have depression and it needs treatment. It needs more treatment than Namaste can fucking treat me with. <laughs> um, so when I moved to Whistler, I had already this feeling that like these years have been stolen from my life. And when people were like, "You're not. You're too old to make it," I wanted to be like, "But I. It's different. Like I, you know, I was really pissed at that. So I was like, that's another reason why I was like, "Fuck you. I don't care." So like yeah, everyone that laughed at me for lying about my age. Because I remember people, like, people knew and they would make fun of me, for sure. Or, like, mention it. I mean, of course they would. I fucking knew about other people's dumb shit and I would make fun of them. Um, <laughs> but it, there was, it, it, it goes beyond just, like, trying to scam my way in there. It was, like, I felt like I had gotten the most important years stolen from my life. And if that's all that was going to stand between me and my dream, after thinking for so much that I'm just going to be basically an invalid, um in a home for the rest of my life. Fuck yeah, I lie about my age, do whatever it takes. You know, fuck those doctors. Dude, fuck those doctors for just quickly just writing a script. Well, they want the money from the prescription business. and that's. I guess I would use this opportunity to say this, maybe. Um, How that whole thing started was I kept going to the doctor with really bad stomach pain, being like, I feel really sick all the time. I can't eat anything, and he just kept giving me different things for different stomach things or doing blood tests. And looking back now, I know that it was like anxiety and depression for sure. Um, and then one day he was like, here, take this. I think that like you should try these antidepressants. And I was like, antidepressants, what the fuck's that? He had these sample packs. And so they didn't have like the whole warning or anything on them. I started taking them. I took them for a couple weeks. This is like the absolute worst thing that can happen. And they don't even prescribe this medication anymore because it's so dangerous if you stop taking it, if you even miss a dose. And I was uh, working at a skate shop at the time. I kept going in the back being like, oh, my God, I'm going to puke. I didn't want anyone to know that or see that So, because the side effects were so bad when I started. So I just stopped taking them. And a few days later, I had, like, this major psychotic 
break that that's what they would call it. But, and they took that as like, oh, you're schizophrenic and swooped in with all their shit. But really it was just, and I, it took me years, years and years, maybe like just the past couple of years that I realized that that's what caused this whole thing in the first place. So a lot of people like hate on medication for me. Like it took until this year for me to finally get my shit dialed, but just don't stop taking psychiatric medication. Suddenly don't do that. You'll fucking you don't go is, cold turkey. You don't go wean. cold turkey. No, there's no such thing as as that. Don't do that. And I wish someone would have told me that because I almost died. Is it a benzo? Do you know if it's a benzo? No, it was it was an SSRI. Because okay. I know benzos, you can die quickly from from withdrawal. Yeah, from as well. withdrawal. Too oh, they had me on sex. all that shit. And, and doctors like to overprescribe. And yeah, you know the statistic I heard the other day is sixty uh, percent of the world's pharmaceutical pharmaceuticals are consumed by the United States. That's no messed way. up. 60% of the world's. Wow. So, and, and whatever, not to hijack this conversation, but like, I guess it's what That's I'm important to but, look but at, it, I it think. is an important stat. Yeah. And what I, I think not to devalidate, peop, there, are, there are pills that are, are needed, are fucking absolutely needed for us to survive. There's no doubt about some pharmaceuticals are 100 and 20% necessary, but they're not the solution for everything. And so, like, I'd say, yeah, just, I don't know, think about that if somebody's, whatever. It's just an interesting Shane Charlebois just got the hip replacement, mm-hmm. went in there, and they're like, you're going to have to take all these Oxycontin. Shane's like, I'm not taking one Oxycontin. I've seen too many lives get ruined. And the doctor was just like, no, you, you have to take these. You're going to really regret it if you don't. And he's like, I'm not touching those. I'm not taking them home. And the doctor's like, Listen, just take them home. Someone's going to want these. No way. Doctor. I mean, he's right. Yeah, and it's like, oh, you so, and Shane, like, flipped out on a dude. Like, hey, you want one of my friends to get these? And then yeah. they're addicted? And it's like, this is a problem, you know? It's a, yeah. They can't be doing that. Another interesting thing to talk about, though, is, like, uh, the antidepressant thing. I know, like, Leah, my girlfriend's, like, very kind of holistic, we'll say. And she was on antidepressants for a very long time, and she just wanted to come off of them and she was able to wean herself off and found some other natural whatever which I'm not saying is the way but some of her friends tried and said you know what I don't like this I'm go- I'm going to stay on so but there's just some just an option for some people to pursue if needed okay I'm going to say something else then yeah. because I feel like it's hard for me still to be like yeah I'm on medication like I had I hit fucking rock bottom after I saw the film for the first time yeah um, I hit rock bottom last summer and okay. I was like, <laughs> I get the cry button. Um, I was like, I'm fucking out, dude. I can't do this anymore. I've tried everything, but because I know what it's like to be left behind and how fucking stupid that decision could be. I was like, Hey, here's the thing. I'm going to try all the things that I always said would not work. And then if, I, if and then when I prove myself, right, cause obviously I'm fucking right. Then I can go. So I went back to my doctor and like insisted that I see an actual psychiatrist, not just a fucking family doctor, because I had been on this medication for like 15 years that, and it just wasn't working, but I couldn't get off it. And, and I did went and finally saw a counselor and stopped saying, Oh, I don't need to pay someone to listen to my problems. You know, that fucking thing, all the shit, I'm going to stop smoking weed. I'm going to stop everything, do all the things that I'm supposed to do. And, and, and man, it fucking saved my life. Like, 
I, I got, I found a psychiatrist, like I was really lucky to find one that was like, no, you don't need to, like, we just need to like deal with this depression. You have all these other factors coming in, the head injuries, the drug use in the past. And I like switched, we like switched things around and I was so scared to like change anything or try anything. And I realized that she, like, she, she was like, all depression is treatable. And I was like, are you? No, it's not. Like, you don't know me because I, you know, everyone thinks they're different. But it took a really shitty um, period of getting off the other shit and, like, a shitty period of getting on the new shit. Um, they have new things. There's new things that are happening that people, doctors don't eat. Your doctor, your family doctor might not even know about right now. And that, like, I got to a place where, like, it still sucks because I know I'm, all my friends are hippies and holistic and everything, and it sucks feeling like you're doing the chemical thing, you know? But it's like, for some people, it works, but don't do it half-ass. I got a lot of friends who were like, oh, I tried that, it didn't work. And I'm like, wait, you mean like you tried it? Or I tried that and made it worse. I'm like, you mean you tried it and you stopped? Like, hold on. If you're if you're going to go that route, like, go at it with all your heart and try to prove, try, just try for once to prove yourself wrong. I know that medication is not for everyone, and this is different for me being from Canada it's similar to the states, but it's not like like I feel like everyone here when I what, that I would talk to is like yeah have some shit going on, but um, for me it got me I and that's another th- when you say like what made you fall in love with snowboarding again I was like I'm not getting into this, but <laughs> like wanting to be alive again for the first time in like since Mark died. <laughs> I never knew, like, I still, like, have really hard days. And look at me, like, I fucking just cried for four hours. But you don't have to fucking suffer your whole life. And I wish I would have known that. I wish I would have, like, valued myself enough or had the balls enough to go look for help and not take no for an answer. So if you're thinking about piecing out at least try all the things first and don't try them trying to fuck it up. Try them. I'm not saying like medication, but I'm saying like therapy or talking to someone or holistic things or whatever it is, like show yourself that you matter. And on that, I know that we've gone way overboard here. No, we haven't. Uh, Dude, over our, time. Our listeners want to hear this and okay. they, they hit us up about it and it's important. Okay. One thing about like suicide. And I hate even that word. Cause it's just like, another buzzword right now how crazy is that you guys where the f- <laughs> um i want everyone out like we all have like thoughts about ourselves and how we value ourselves and how like sometimes we're just like oh fuck this like i think everyone has those thoughts um when i saw like when i was having another like tough time recently and when the teaser came out for learning to drown or like where I put the uninvited movie out and like got that huge response. Not that I'm like looking for that, those dopamine hits, but like all these people like DMing me being like, this is so important to us. This is this, like, thank you for doing this, whatever. And I'm, I was like surprised, like, Oh fucking someone gives a shit about me. Like I, and that's me who's famous in the snowboarding world. And everybody feels like, they don't matter at times. 
And I would ask like anyone to just remember something. And I'm talking to myself here too right now. Think about someone that you've lost and think about if that person could come back and, and think about the reaction of that. Everyone's fucking devastated. People are ruined over it. They're fucking ruined. And if you ask that person to come back and we're like, dude, look at, look at the response. Look at the actual impact you had on other people around you. We have no idea. But would that person say, like, if, if you could go back in time, would that person say, oh, yeah, everyone's going to care. Everyone's going to be ruined over this. No, they're going to be like, I don't fucking matter. We all matter. We all, like, and, and by the time you find that out, it's too late and you're not even here to see it. It's just that's so true. what I'd say to people. Yeah, think of, yeah that's incredible. Think about, like, the, when you go to a funeral and... People it's, are fucked. It's yeah. just in the ones left behind have it the hardest. I think in every, how many how much the effect uh, everybody's affected and it's super powerful foresight and it's the perspective and yeah and and also like going back like that we need to normalize the fact that if you're having a hard time don't internalize that shit. Go talk to somebody. Go work on yourself. And I love what you said earlier. Like actually try actually try to prove yourself wrong because this is an interesting i was reading this book it's fucking awesome i recommend it to anybody it's mark or it's not mark manson it's uh ryan holiday ego is the enemy and one of the points of this book that hit me like a ton of bricks he talks about we would rather be right than happy so if your narrative is this would happen to me this is exactly something that would happen to me. Like, so when something goes wrong, you're validating your ego. You're, you, it's validating the fact that, see, bad things always happen. And you see this? And you, in, in that case, you'd rather be right than happy. In the sense, when you apply that in the same sense to like, oh, like my, my, my clinical depression is harder than everybody else's. I just, there's nothing that's going to work. Instead of trying to prove yourself wrong, you, every time something doesn't work, you're validating your ego. You're validating yourself being right. You're validating instead of trying to like. I love that. That that's put your ego in the box. Let's not let's not go with the, this exact narrative and let's try to prove ourselves wrong and find something that works. That's that just hit me like hard. I, I love that. That's so, heavy, dude. Yeah. I love. I like that too. And yeah. I mean, I love like having this conversation because there's been times like I've been listening to the podcast and like you guys get close to something and I'm like, no, keep going. Keep talking. And then <laughs> like, back off. Yeah. Like we're not, back I just want to say, I'm glad you made the right decision. Mm-hmm. Thanks. You're with us. <laughs> Me too, man. Me and you too. know what? Let's Fuck. send that super air horn out to everyone we've yep. lost. Yep. <laughs> <Special> <laughs> <air> <laughs> <horn>. <laughs> it's an interesting topic with the podcast because it's, you want, you wonder like where how deep do you go till people are are like that's too much you know and I love talking about this type of this type of stuff but I hate when it's preachy so like I try to like you know you you don't want to preach but you don't want to come off like oh I'm I fucking read books like I hate like the intellectual ego that people have that they read like I'm I'm new to reading and I'm just discovering like I want your book list <laughs> reading and stuff and so yeah there's a lot of great books another thing going back to to some of the stuff we we're talking about earlier like as far as things that have helped me out in hard times there's a book called uh, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It and it's about a guy who went through a horrific breakup and and you know was suicidal and the the tools he used to break through that and that and you know it's it's so easy to speak so negatively 
towards yourself. The way we speak to ourselves is shit we would never say to another person out loud. Well, you'd never be friends with someone that talks to you like that. Right? Yeah. And like learning how to change that. Like you don't need to be so fucking hard on yourself. Like, you know, I love, I, I've talked about it before, but like when I was getting sober, I'm almost five years sober now. I talk about it a lot. I'm sorry. It's boring. Shouldn't you press the button? I'll, I'll give myself an air horn for that. But like when I first was trying to quit, drinking and doing drugs i was uh i would i would fall on my face a lot like i would like go out i would get like three weeks and then i'd have some blowout bender where where i was out till whatever time in the morning and so my sister said the best words to me she's like don't be so hard on yourself pick yourself up dust yourself off and try again no big deal and i was like pick yourself up dust yourself off no big deal but instead you're like i'm such an asshole i'm such a piece of shit i shouldn't have done that you know or yeah, what i knew I, it i'm fucking useless i'm useless i knew i wouldn't do it i knew i wouldn't come through with it no like dude it takes like five or six tries sometimes or 10 or 11 or even you get five years and you go back out and that's okay but i don't know learning to like be kind to ourselves i, I don't know it's just an interest I, th I think that that is the the key to life but it's way easier said than done and i think a lot of people aren't even there yet to to even th to, to believe that that's what it is here's an inverse flip of that though i always feel like if we were really kind to ourselves we wouldn't have some of the greatest athletes ever because i swear some of that negative self-talk and that oh all of it is is the driving force fuels the drive to want to be great well, how about this? If you just like loved yourself and thought you were rad, then why would you try to get good at something? Why would you try? To I heard something somewhere that like um, I was reading this like book on Buddhism, and it was like, why are people? Why aren't we just like? Why are we here to be? Why do we have these like drives and this self shit talk and all this stuff? Like if this is how things are and like the ultimate universe is love and all that stuff, then and we don't need to change. We just are great as we are why why do humans act this way and someone was like well if that was the case then like literally life would not happen nothing would ever get done um it's a good point i'm not like pushing for this but i remember thinking oh wow yeah like because if everyone was just like uh, like how would food be made <laughs> you know if people were like i'm beautiful right here i'm not going out to plow the fields you know you know it's but what you're describing is a sense of purpose i think too we, yeah. need, we need a sense of a purpose and a sense of a reason to do things. And, and fuck, that's, what's great about snowboarding is that we like for us and it, for so many years, it was the, it gave me a reason to get out of bed in the morning and you're like, f like, and, and it's, it, it kept me in the summer. I'd party like a maniac cause I'd, I've lost my sense of purpose. So I would go bender after bender cause I didn't have that thing a winter. Okay. I got my purpose back. But if you, if you lose that, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to say though. Cause when I, when I, now as I get older, the people I admire aren't necessarily the people that are, that hate themselves so much that the, the greatest to ever do it. But it's the, it's the people that seem to have inner peace. I like, I, I want that more I want than, that I want that more than I want the Mofo, fucking give it to me. trophy. Yeah. Like of, uh, you know, that's an interesting topic, but. We kind of kept going while you're digging a Wiz Khalifa. But, but I, I mean, I think uh, you just can't go black and white, like either totally enlightened and I love myself and everything's great and then I'm a fucking pile of shit. Um, I think there's like, there can be, a lot of us are more on the I'm a pile of shit side of things. But I mean, just having moments where you're like, just you're, you're going to put energy into like fighting off that, that 
feeling of like, okay, just like give myself one break here. You know, mm-hmm. it starts with that. It's not like, don't just give up because you didn't become the fucking Buddha, you know, mm-hmm. talking to myself here too. No, this is, this is great. I think also going back to like, it's good to, to be able to have that, that competition in you sometimes too. And that, that, as I like to call it, that fuck you, like you need that, like that spiteful fuck you and just kind of like to pull that out and, and get to a different level at times. But, but be able to recognize it for what it is. I think the fuck you could even be classified as like a type of self-love because you're like proving your worth. Mm. Not that you should have to prove yourself to anything, but like you're doing that not for someone else. You're doing that for you. Like when you're left and you get, you have no fucks left to give about what people think and you're just like, I'm going to go, yeah, down in flames. <laughs> That's something for yourself too to be like, I know that I'm worth, these guys don't give a shit about me, but I know that I'm worth something. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Absolutely. Self-worth. I love what you're talking about earlier. You were mentioning like kind of finding that sense of belief in somebody before they had it themselves. I I feel like I had kind of had some mentors like that growing up a little bit. And it's so powerful when somebody's like, you're not even sure if you can do it, but there's somebody else like, no, dude, you're sick. You got this. And that's such a huge thing to kind of help somebody find their confidence and find their belief in themselves. And it's just such like, you know, I, I, I love this, this topic of, of deeper stuff because it's, it's not, it's not like one day you wake up and you just have confidence and you have belief in yourself. It It's a series of small steps incrementally. Like what you do on a micro level gets you to where you go on the macro. It's as, it's as simple as like every day trying get like the the making a habit of getting outside your comfort zone is like really what it is like becoming making it a pattern like okay I'm going to step outside my comfort zone every fucking day I'm going to and what do you do you have anything to add to that topic at all no I mean you said it great this is all the stuff I wanted you to go get off on comfortable being uncomfortable right yeah yeah, yeah. and don't be afraid to try to prove yourself wrong just check cuz you can always go back to whatever dumb thing you were doing, Mm -hmm. but check it out. It might change your life. It might save your life. It might make your life so much better. Totally. God. Well, sweet. To be great, you got to take these steps Mm -hmm. or else you're never even going to know what you can achieve. Absolutely. 100%. And also, it's not even about achievement, too. And to fucking, it's like achievement, but like I, I get really caught up on like achievement, success. But Dude, it's like, me too. I know. Well, but achievement like, could be achieving a dope method, or true. I, I'm the guy that put people on Mars first. I mean, they're mm-hmm. all achievements on your own personal level. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So maybe it's the wrong word, but okay. We have one final guest question, and this is from one of your uh, mentorees. Is that a word? Mentors. Yes. She's the mentor. I actually think it's mentees. Oh, mentees? mentees? This is from, I don't know. Is it Mentos? This is it's from, Mentos. One <laughs> of my it? Mentos. This is from the Freshmaker, Mentos. More <laughs> with birds. Hi, guys. What's up, Jess? It's Kalia here. I don't actually have a guest question. I just wanted to say that you have been my biggest inspiration in snowboarding since day one. I remember just watching every video you have ever uploaded on the internet a million times. I know the back tail blew everyone's mind and think thing, but then you followed it up with the switch front board and a back went on. It was mind blowing. Every part you have ever put out is literally been so legendary. I could go trick after trick. 
I remember this one time you uploaded a video of you at Hood showing how you were living out of your truck, and I just wanted to see more. I wish that you would just upload videos every day. I would search your name daily to see if you uploaded anything new, and yes, I'm actually still like this. I literally watch your snowboarding on repeat. I wanted to do what you were doing. I've always known that, and I wanted to become pro snowboard just like you. But meeting my childhood snowboarding hero and having you become such a huge role model in my life, it means so much to me. You have become so much more than my snowboarding idol. You have become so much more to everyone in snowboarding. I'm very grateful to call you my friend. You have inspired me in so many ways throughout my life and my snowboarding career. I really just want to say thank you. That was nice. That's very sweet. It's crazy. What she is saying is exactly what MoFo was to me. I'd be searching for, I would like search her name on all the everything. So that's really cool to know that. I mean, I know people say that, but I always think people just say that to me because they're in front of me and they're, that's what you're supposed to say to whatever pro snowboarder you're around, you know? Um, thanks, Kalia. Speaking with her, we were, we were kind of, first of all, her car is broken down in Nebraska oh, and she, she had a leak in her gas tank and uh, <coughs> she is totally chill i i've never actually spoken or talked to clea before and i was like she's fucking awesome and uh she just totally and we as we were speaking though like she couldn't come up with the question she could just this sentiment and authenticity and the genuine like respect and in positive impact you had on her life she just kept reiterating like i we she everything she said just and i was like why not instead of doing a question let's just why don't you just say that? It doesn't need to be a question. Just say what you're saying to me right now. And so um, I thought that was really cool. And, and um, I've, yeah, so. Honestly, until awesome. she, like, I still, it's so weird. You just always tell yourself, like, nah, you know, default to the negative. But until she, like, named the all the tricks on the ledge, I was like, oh, okay, you actually did watch the part. But, yeah, I know that I can, yeah, I remember every single thing MoFo ever did, too. So thanks, Kalia, that. Gives me some purpose. That's awesome. Yeah, what you're doing does have a good impact on people's life, you know. And uh, I know you have a couple other things about uninvited you wanted to bring up. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully I will have my uh, meme uh, meme announcements dialed by the time this episode drops. But um, I've actually been working this winter on producing The Uninvited 3. Figured I would make it a trilogy. Every time I make one, I'm like, I'm not doing that again because I'm doing... The w the reason we're able to make it on such a small budget is because I do all the things that you would normally have to pay someone to do for free. like the. Um, but because I'm lucky enough to have spare time because I'm a pro snowboarder. The level, it's like, it's almost like I can't say no because the level is just like there came... Like the last one was cool. There was girls that had breakout parts but there's other girls that still need to be seen that are like, and other girls that just, yeah. They're, this isn't what I wanted to say about it. I'm making The Uninvited 3. It's dropping this fall. It's going to be fucking sick. I really think like, I liked how the last one we didn't really talk about till the teaser dropped or whatever. And this one, probably going to be a little silent, save for some memes until the teaser drops, but I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be better than the last one, and I think people are going to be really surprised what's out there. And hopefully the sponsors pick up on it and see what they have on their hand, see what's sitting right in front of them. So, yeah, I mean, before... I wanted to clarify something, too, though. 
the first movie I completely paid for myself and um the last one I had help like all my sponsors kicked in and it's so sick because I don't even really have a part in it but they like they believe in what what I'm this is part of what I do now is try to help people and they believe in it enough to like fund it and then this one the third one is also like fully funded and I still like send money to people if they're struggling and they just need to get through the film trip or gas money for this or whatever um and I'm definitely willing to spend my own money on it but it's really fucking I don't want to say vindicating but like it's really fucking sick to see companies not just come in with like their intention and like oh that was cool I care about that but like throwing down money from their marketing budget so that I can actually like pay these the the filmers and buy shots off them and send the girls on trips and like book the Airbnbs and all that all those little things are other indications without actually saying it in words that like you guys matter and someone believes in you I'm curious as to what you have next on the horizon for um, the People's Champ, a.k.a. Jess Kamara's future plans. Um, I mean, just keep doing what I'm doing, but exponentially expand on it. I just want to, I mean, use this time that I'm here to do good things um, and to share what I have with other people. And at first that was just like my snowboarding. I was trying to share with other people and the, now it's just in a different form. I want to keep riding pow, sledding a bunch, and um, yeah, just keep on snowboarding because I like it again. Beautiful. Well, we we want to see you keep boarding. Yeah, we want to we want to patiently wait to see the clips. And uh, you know, one thing we like to ask before we wrap this up: Do you have anybody you'd like to thank before we put a bow on this thing? I mean, I have so many people I want to thank, um, but. There, it's too long a list right now. So just uh, read the credits in Learning to Drown once it comes out. Make sure you guys watch this. It will, it's special. It is a special, special, special film, and it's not, there's no bullshit there. It's fucking awesome, Jess. When's that going to be dropping for the people? I am not entirely sure yet, and that's something a lot of people are asking, um, but it's going to be this year sometime before awesome. the year is done. I'm hoping by December. I'll tell you what, my wife hasn't snowboarded a day in her life, and I was watching that last night just for research. She was riveted. I Everyone so, should watch it with yeah. their wife, their girlfriend. I think her. it's going to, like he said, transcend snowboarding. And You're going to be real famous, not just snowboard I, famous. That's not what I'm... People's, <laughs> people's moms and we're going to be anxiety. talking about you. In a no. good way, though. I mean, in a, in a way that has need. a positive impact, yeah. not in like a celebrity kind of way, but in yeah. a way that's it's going to be bigger than... It is bigger than our little nucleus of snowboarding you know we're all bigger than our nucleus but we just don't know it yet i still don't know it we'll see well beautiful i want to say thank you for coming on the show really appreciate it Travel having me it's been a pleasure so stoked to have you this is one of my favorite conversations i've yes. ever had in my life on or off air so, so thank hey you. sorry i cried so much you guys not just you guys but everyone out there that's going to be really uncomfortable Watching me be like, and then I went on a film trip. I <laughs> think they're going to relate. People okay. want to see real emotions. All right. Well, fuck. I'm chock full of those. You know, I asked you if you're, uh, if if he had ever come to you in your dreams. reason I brought that up is uh, I believe you can manifest that and get them to come to your dreams in their own time because they go through time differently than us. And uh, my wife last week had a dream about J2. 
he no uh, he was living in an apartment and caught a possum, and it became like it was living in the house with him. And this is something only J two would do. And my wife's like, "Can I can I pet it? Is it cool?" And he's like, "Yeah, pet it." Pets it and it fully attacked her. And J two was like. What do you expect? It's a possum. And then just started cackling at her. And I woke up to her telling me the story. And I'm like, fucking twos. Did you ever, you ever watch the Justin Benny episode? Yes. He, J2 knocked something off the shelf when he brought his name up. Yeah, we brought his name up and something fell off the back wall. But yeah, only twos would I actually listen to it. get a possum. Watch it. That exact yeah. time when we brought him up, we were talking about him. Just literally something fell down on the buds. Like, what the fuck? Fucking amazing, happens? dude. So dope. Well, I just want to say thank you guys for listening and tuning in each and every week. It means the world to us. And um, we'll see you next week. Over and out from the bomb hole. Okay, we did it. And make sure you support Jess Kimura. Make sure you get out there and watch Learning to Drown when that comes out. And thank you guys so much for listening. It means the world to us. It truly, truly does. You guys rule. Uh, if you want to support the show, everything you need to support the show is available at bombhole.com. You can find our Patreon, our store, all that good stuff, bombhole.com. Over and out. We will see you guys next week. Peace.